I think this is the first event I've ever worn pants at. Shut up and sit down. Well, thanks for joining us again, fellas, and uh, let's do a wrap-up of the Einstein Extreme Round 2 of the Australian Hard Enduro Championship. And, Burns, you're the man of the moment, you and the crew that were up there. Um, who were a couple of the crew that helped out, mate? Oh, the main culprits, as we mentioned before, Craig Harney, um, Timmy. We haven't Timmy, mentioned Jimmy. that before. <laughs> no, no, like mentioned at the race, not on the podcast. Oh, sorry. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> we give him a trophy. We mentioned Craig. <laughs> the other Craig. But yeah, Timmy England and Jim Seeley, they all got tracks named after him. If they got a track, if they got a track named after him, that means they've done a lot of work up there. Nice one. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter the yeah. names and that. If you've been there and you've put a bit of effort into that track, we're thanking you for it because we don't have the man hours in our lives to go and build a track like that. We we really rely on those local guys to go out there and help us out. And um, yeah, if you race that race and you enjoyed it and you loved what you rode. Those guys that we've named or either missed, they're the guys that we're thanking and thank them for us as well. Like, you know, so say a little dirt bike prayer to the dirt bike furies that are out there that built the tracks. All right, let's talk about what happened on Saturday. We had um, kids prologue, prologues and then kids race. Um, prologues seemed to flow. We didn't have any feedback on bottlenecks or anything, so we seem to have got that sorted out. Um, I think so. Many, how many kids did we have all up? Ten? Yeah, we had t- ten juniors, and they prologued pro- first. They got an hour to uh, do as many laps as they like. I think I think some of them did two laps. From memory, maybe not. I don't recall. And then the seniors went out, and I, I think the, the old cruisy attitude of the uh, bronze guys sort of showed there. They, they like to just go out and get a lap of the track and you know, see what's out there. They don't put a lot of pressure in, but I think by the time we get up to the gold riders, it got quite serious. There was a few guys there that were using strategies, um, waiting for the pack to be out on the track before they would go out or, you know, use the first lap as a siding lap and then come back around and hit it hard for the second lap. So um, you, you start to see that sort of come in and guys sort of trying to prove their point on where they're going to start. So that, that got exciting, but... um. Old Ruben Chadwick, he took out the pole position again. Yeah, I, I suspected Ruben would take that out. The um, the faster faster flying sort of single track that that style of prologue was on the weekend. Um, Ruben was always with a strong chance to to go and wipe the field with his with his skills. He's a bit yeah, of a prologue master, old Ruben. Mm. He, he, um, so you can tell straight away as soon as he goes up the uh, the the three kings at the end of the campground straight there. That was a bit of a crowd favourite where we. Moved the bunting a little bit and opened it up for gold. And um, the two best riders to go up that hill was Ruben and um, Timmy Coleman. Now, Timmy wasn't racing, obviously, but they just full noise going up that middle line on them bikes. It sounded awesome. Well, I got a bit caught off guard there as well. I went around there to um, film when the gold riders were doing their section because I don't have to be so attentive at the start line thing, guys. And um, I set up a GoPro on that right on the edge of the track and I didn't even see the line that they were going to take. They they came up the far left in the grass and just hit a tree that was pretty much, you know, falling and laying on the track and they just, just hit the tree like it, it wasn't even part of the track. They they just 
kept the pipe open and went over it. So if you were a, a rider that was trying to get a hot time up that hill and you didn't have a look for that far left line over the tree, you sort of did waste a bit of time to go out there around the right. It might have been smoother and um, easier, but that line up the left, that made up a bit of time for those guys. They were hitting it pretty quick. How did the bronze riders go up there? I didn't get to see it. I, I was so busy controlling the start line. Did you go yeah. around there, Craig? Yeah, yeah, I was there. So me and Harney and Timmy were there, and uh, we sort of made a decision to control it from the bottom. So we opened up the easy line and the middle line for bronze. Uh, so they were picking and choosing. And, of course, when you come around the corner, there would be line in there for the middle line, which was quite difficult. So sometimes there'd be three or four guys falling off there. So then, you know, I sort of, we'd sort of bunt it off, we'd close it off temporarily while they went, the other guys went on the easy line because it was a bit dangerous with boys were coming back down. And it just seemed to work. There wasn't too many bottlenecks up there. And um, and then as soon as, as soon as them boys come back down, we opened it back up again and for some of the bronze riders to get straight up there. So, yeah, no, it wasn't it wasn't too bad. Did the juniors take up three kings as well? We had just the far right line open for them in prologue. Um, they got in there, they got on with it. They they didn't really muck around. So the kids sort of just surprise us every single race. We we think we've gone too hard for them. We sort of leave it open and let whatever happen happens. But they just they hand it back to us. There's there's no way these kids are. Um, I don't know. We we just can't seem to. Yeah, with them, we can't build a track hard enough for them. They just get us every time and make the tracks look look easy. So yeah, good, isn't it? The level of riding for all classes seems to be going up. And this... Well, I, I just I decided to get out on the track with the the juniors, um, you know, and just see how they were going. And I randomly picked a kid to follow who ended up being the pole position kid. And I, I had to ride beyond my ability to stay with him. And I started to feel a bit worried that I was going to hurt myself to, you know, pushing as hard as I was. So. I sort of rolled off a little bit and let him get away. But I got to watch him do, I don't know, three quarters of his lap. I rode with him and thinking uh, how quick this kid is. And then you see him get off the bike and take his gear off. And, mate, he'd be 45 kilos. He'd blow away in a strong wind. So to watch a little kid ride the bike that fast, it's, it's, oh, I just get so excited watching him kids ride. Probably heard me harp on about it heaps of times, but I'll just keep going on about it. Did you, so um, excited. You had, you had a popping that this afternoon too, didn't you? What do we bring that up for? Yeah, I nodded off. I was laying down on the lounge trying to watch a bit of YouTube, see what videos are getting put up, and I nodded off and I woke up to message you guys saying, let's get on with this podcast. Can't, can't no, be kids anymore and having poppy naps, that's all. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. And look, this uh, this round we had 16 girls in it too. 16 in the ladies' class. Um, and we had... Um, Yasmin uh, Hajazi in a, in a junior class too. I don't know if there was another girl in the junior class. Oh, there was. There was um, uh, Daniel Saul's daughter. How, um, yeah. how how united did the girls get fat? I was watching them at the start. So we've got a, a pretty large group of bikes going on. What have actually been on the Saturday? And there was a large group there sort of hanging around the start line of riders and all the girls had sort of um, congregated together and were hanging out in a group. And then I think Casey got them all together and took a massive group photo of them. And I just thought, you know, these, these girls are really – you might see some races, you know, in, in different formats and that, and people are very protective of their setup and what they're going to do and all this. Not the girls. They just drop everything to get involved and help each other, and it's it's like a little gang they got going now, the Hard Enduro girls scene. And they're yeah. always, like, they're always really positive as well. I interviewed a few of them at the field service point, and um, 
yeah, they're all just full of energy and just keen to get on with it. And even though some of them were like, you know, four hours in and only at the service point, that, that you know, they were still they were still keen to carry on going and just loving it. Good to see. I think it is too with those guys. They don't have these huge expectations to prove anything. They just want to be finishers. So as long as they can just get through it and, and get a result, they're happy with whatever result comes. And some of them, yeah, I don't know. I don't know really how to put it, but you just see that they're so positive where some riders might get beat up on a hill climb or something and it could be a dummy spit that comes after that or whatever and a bit of aggression. But you just see with the girls. If they get stuck and they can't get up there, they just you know, rethink of their plan and find a new way and then go for it. Much less yeah. egos going on and, and stuff like that, and they just want to, they just want to have a good time. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely the probably the exact word. Egos just don't exist with the girls. They just get on, yeah. have a good time, and don't have a problem with helping each other. And the girls' class is growing. It was only last year, even though we we're hindered by COVID, we managed to run a couple of events that we had to have a different point system in place. So we'll run the hierarchy point system because we'd only get sort of maybe three to four girls sign up. Now we've got 16 and, you know, we're allocating trophies. They've got their own classes now and, yeah, it's, it's brilliant. And, uh, and more and more girls are wanting to sign up for um, the next event, Goldfields Extreme up at Waterflat. Yeah, you see that the girls things too. I won't go on about it for longer than people want to hear when they listen back, but they're building their own little websites now, their own Facebook pages and they're talking and they're, they're setting up their own little group rides and meeting up in places. So... Ten years ago, that I, I never heard of that. I never heard of girls getting their own shit together and going out and have group rides. It was, you know, that you might get one or two to tag along with the boys, but now to see that they're just excluding the boys and riding on their own, it's awesome. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, Angela Yee, she's um, she's leading rides out at um, out at Menai and other places around Sydney. She gets out and leads 25, 30 blokes around. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's that's my old stomping grounds. I might have to hook up with one of them rides and see what new trials have got going on out there. Yeah, we'll have a pop in that and get down there and get in oh, Pop in We're going to not hear the end of this, are we? No, you're not. Um, yeah. Burnsy, how did you shape up on the weekend, mate? I mean, you ended up sweeping for us on race day after after Saturday. You put in a prologue time, though, didn't you? Yeah, I did a prologue. I was I had a good run in the prologue, actually, which is not like me because I normally get caught up on something. So I had a good run. I came like 47th or something, which standard right in the middle. And then he yeah, had a rough night Saturday. I was just dreaming about these bloody tracks and programs <laughs> and Scotty. I actually had a dream about Scotty as well. I won't go into that. <laughs> you come to me and told me that we were in this dream together. <laughs> I've yeah, no idea what I, you're I, talking I'll tell about. The dream, people are going to be thinking, what, what are you talking about? So me, me and Scotty were in this old issues building in Romania somewhere, waiting for like the first riders to come through. Like we were there with a the clipboard and it was like getting nine, ten o'clock in the night. So my, my brain was thinking like, these guys are not going to finish this event subconsciously. Um, <laughs> they did. They all killed it. But yeah, I woke up. I was all a bit stressed. And then I thought, oh, you know what? It's pretty selfish to go and ride this event now where all these other boys have been sweeping and they're not, they're not racing. So, yeah, let's get out there and sweep. And it was awesome. Best decision I ever made because I got to sweep the whole silver track with two of the boys I ride with every weekend anyway. And got to help people, the silver riders, rode the whole track, fixed some bikes, left left some <laughs> left the Yamaha out there, um, made a few calls and, yeah, had a, had a great day. I thought, like, because we questioned you about your um, prologue time at the start of that, and I thought maybe it was an absolute shocker and you knew you are going to get 
get the ass handed to you when you got on the track, but I just looked it up. It's not too bad. 22 minutes on the dot, you're mid-pack, 47. Yeah, pretty, pretty standard for me, like mid-pack. I, I, I like doing a prologue where, you know, like Kosciuszko, where I come off on the log matrix to begin in, so you just don't get a good judge of how your prologue goes. You think, oh, I wonder what would have happened if I got through there clean. And I got up the hill clean, through empty bucket clean, and, yeah, that's how... That's my speed. So it's good to know like what my actual speed is in silver and it is what I thought it was. Like in the middle, I'm always a bit better on the technical stuff than the faster stuff. But um yeah, like really good choice for me to sweep. And if I've had anything to do with the track, I should be I should be sweeping anyway because I you know, I feel like I'd probably be needed out there where this is, you know, I know every track name, I know every rock pretty much on that loop, along with a few of the other cutters that have been up there a lot. So now it was great. Good day, good yeah, week. Well, good month has been up there, pretty much. Yeah, that's that's it, man. Look, I, I I appreciated the fact that you swept. It sort of takes a bit of stress away from me as well. I know there's another bloke out there who, like you say, who knows every rock on the ground there. So if an incident goes down, uh, I can get you on the radio and get you to deal with it. Yeah, I heard that you were squatting out there. Yeah, did you see my veggie patch in the back of my camper? Yeah, you're all yeah. out there, self-sufficient yeah. me. <laughs> I just compared your time, mate. You would have got eighth in bronze. Maybe you need to drop back a grade. You could get could eight be a bit in of bronze, really. Yeah, you could be a trophy hunter. Go back to bronze. Yeah, <laughs> sandbagging. Yeah. Still got towed up. You're still not on the podium. You, you would have still got towed up on the junior riders, but I should be on a podium. The amount I ride, but yeah, I've hit my limit. I've hit my. I'm getting over. I'm on the way downhill now. I've hit my limit. I'm Forty-two. That's it. Not going to get any better. You could always make juniors like a height. We could introduce a height restriction. You might go get the juniors. <laughs> oh, yeah, with that guy. I'm never going to beat him, am I? He's going to kill me. <laughs> I wouldn't even beat Nate. <laughs> uh, well, look, uh, what, what was your standout for the weekend? Uh, he asked that too. Yes, that's Burnsy. Yeah, I don't want to talk to you yet, Scotty. No, I'm looking up the results online. I'm quite impressed by some of the times I'm looking at. So you guys just talk amongst yourself. Well, I'll tell you what was my standout was. I'm not going to go to the most obvious one, which is obviously uh, it was um, Wade Ibrahim taking out first place after coming back from Romaniacs. I think that was a standout for me. Um, Have you ever been to Romaniacs, Greg? Uh, I said Romaniacs. I should have said Erzberg because he didn't go to Romaniacs. He went to Erzberg. Um, huh. Now ask me, Scott. Uh, let's move on. <laughs> and and uh, and Robbie Nowak getting on the podium too. You know, he came back to defend his title. He you know, he, he didn't uh, take it first. But he came third. So well done to Robbie. But the real standout for me, as I say, as I said, aside from Wade, was um, John Gap. He came first in silver, and he's never raced at all in any form of motorcycle race before. Comes into a hard enduro event and cleans everyone up in silver. His mates reckon he's after a freak, and and I guess we've, a lot of them, a lot of people have got them in their local ride groups, haven't they? Where you got this this guy who just keeps quiet, doesn't want to, doesn't want attention, sort of thing. Just knows he's, you know, probably better than the rest, but says nothing. And then, oh, okay, I'll do this one event, and then just wins silver. You know, it's just yeah. So that would have got him actually. He's his um prologue time would have actually got him seventh in gold. So maybe yeah. there's a there's a there's a guy there we need to keep an eye on. He might be stepping up really quick to the goal. Well, he did. I had a chat with him after the race, and he said he, he was going to enter goal, but decided 
to enter silver. He couldn't have entered gold anyway because gold's password protected. But I did say to him, look, to enter gold, um, we don't just necessarily look for speed. We look for the riders' um, mentality and their race craft. We don't want riders out there being dangerous. So he's, he's going to run in silver for a couple more times, and I'll keep an eye on him and see how he goes. It'd be interesting. Mm. It'd be good. It'd be good to watch a few guys come up and give these guys a bit of a hassle up. Yeah, you yeah. Faces, you, faces, you start pushing people around. I'd be yeah, keen to see how he, how, he, how, he, um, how he progresses. What was your standout for the weekend, Scotty? Oh, just to get to finally do a proper lap and have a look around and see what's going on out there and watch people ride and stuff. You know, I didn't have to put any pace on. Um, I got to cruise and just just enjoy the, the atmosphere while I was out there and just watching guys, you know. It, it, watching people enjoy themselves is what I, I want to see and it makes it enjoyable for me. So if you go on to results and click on 2022, and then you can look. You can see down the very bottom, uh, twenty twenty two, round two, unofficial race results, and that will bring up all your different classes. Yeah, right. I tell you, was a big uh, aside from a result standout because I don't, I don't know many of the guys' names and stuff apart from the gold boys. But um, the fact that we managed to, it seems I haven't seen heaps of videos, but it seems we managed to avoid a lot of bottlenecks by uh, creating heaps of lines up these sections where, you know, you could foresee bottlenecks going on, um, you know, just just by riding these things, getting the boys to not ride the same line, get up, they make new lines, and, yeah, it seems to have avoided them, which is always, you know, a bit of a bone of contention with a lot of riders at the back, even though, you know, you always got a prologue well to avoid the bottlenecks, but it's still not the best when you're stuck in them for 20, 30 minutes or whatever, but, yeah, since we nailed that one. Neil, I think the property sort of allows that to happen too, doesn't it? It's not like you're riding, you know, you know a real yeah. deep-sided gully for a kilometre or anything like that. There are options to get around people. Yeah. Yeah, I, I probably uh, let the whole, you know, race start. Once I got everybody off the start line and that, and I um, went and jumped on my bike and I, I shortcutted the first, I don't know, four or five Ks. I knew I'd be able to get ahead of everybody or get in. With the pack, and I must have got myself into maybe the top 20, 30 riders of bronze, and I just hung around with those guys for a while. And I got to the first Spain hill climb, which was I thought was going to be a bottleneck. And um, what was it called? Tougher, tougher trail, tougher hill, yeah, and tougher trail, yeah. And uh, me and Bernsey were a little bit concerned. We went out there to, on the Friday to have a look at it, and we were trying to you know put lines in that other guys could sort of follow on it. But it didn't happen like that. They all still stuck to the single trail and it did get nose to tail. And if one guy up the front did sort of get stuck on something, you couldn't really get around them. But it, it did recover very quickly. As soon as that guy got back on his bike and kept going, the flow returned very quickly. And while I was sitting there in that pack waiting, I sort of looked for a line to get out and go around them. And and when I'd done it, I just came back into the same um, uh, spot I was in. So if I went out, made up three or four meters, and where I joined the the ride again, I was I was still in my same spot. So that was probably the only concern about bronze that I had when I seen it. It flowed. Maybe behind me it got worse, but I didn't, never had anybody come back to us and say anything about it. So seen to go all right. Yeah, nice one. Now just back to the ladies and the ladies classes. We six day ladies join us. Angela, thanks very much for joining us. This is Angela Yee. How are you going? How you doing, Angela? Yeah, good. 
That's the way. Now, you just raced up at um, Einstein Extreme. What class did you enter? I was in the ladies' bronze. How'd you go? Um, so, yeah, up until the 12-kilometre mark, I got to the top of the tough track and I cooked my starter motor. So I thought it was my battery at first because that's what happened at Cozy on the one-mile hill. My battery failed. So um, I think it was Christy, uh, she was trying to fix her bark buster. She didn't have any Allen keys, so I lent her my Allen keys and she happened to have um, a battery pack, so I tried to jumpstart it, but that wouldn't work. And my other mate, Ali, who was on another cross trainer, uh, I was waiting for him to come up the hill and I thought he had a Kickstarter. So I thought, let's see what I can do with when he gets there. But when I put my battery in his bike, it started his bike and his battery wouldn't start my bike. So, yeah, that was the end of that. You mm. would have thought that um, I would have got a Kickstarter after my experience at Cozzy, but no, I didn't. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think uh, I've already ordered one with Jody um, South. Yeah. Um. So he'll get back to me tomorrow, and uh, yeah, I'll get everything sorted. A new starter motor, get a new battery. I'll go through my bike carefully before the next race. Yeah, nice one. Now we met after the race at, uh, at dinner. We had a bit of a chat. Um, and your, your racing history is really interesting because I thought you'd been racing for years or riding for years at least. And I said to you, how long you've been riding for? And you told me two years. Can you just can you just go over what you told me before? Because I found it really interesting. Uh, yeah, so I rode on the road and I had been riding on the track for a while and that was it. Even that, I'd only been riding for one year. Um and one of the girls who I rode on the road with, she was like, oh, come out on the weekend. Um, me and my partner, we ride dirt bikes and we've got a few to go around. We're going to bring our sons one and stuff. So, you know, it's really fun. Um, you and your partner, Greg, should uh, come for the weekend. And uh, Greg told me that when he was younger, he used to ride like kick bikes and just muck around as a teenager. And uh, we went along and I had a girl of her bike and just it was so fun being able to, I don't know, ride on something that's not flat and um, there was like a rock and I was like, oh, my God, I went over a rock and there was a little log and I went over the log and I'm like, oh, my God, this is so fun. And, yeah, after that I got hooked and Greg and I both had um, a bike within one or two days after that. Yep. and. Then we've been riding every weekend pretty much and now our whole lives revolve around riding dirt bikes. Our kids have dirt bikes. Um, our social circle is all around dirt bikes and all our spare time is all about where we're going to ride, who we're going to ride with and, yeah, we love it. We live and breathe it now. <laughs> Pretty much just through all the pandemic that you, you, this all developed, wasn't it? Yeah. So, like, I own a restaurant and my restaurant um, wasn't um, operating during COVID. Mm. And so, yeah, during lockdown, Greg and I were pretty much riding days a week 
And the only reason we weren't writing seven days a week was because on day seven we had to fix all the bits that were broken during the six days that we were writing. So Perfect. <laughs> we had to oil changes and fix everything. It was our maintenance day. Yeah. But yeah, I think I did about a hundred hours during the three month lockdown. Um, yeah, it was a full time job. That's <laughs> <laughs> more than me. Yeah. It, it is. It's more than Bernsey. <laughs> I don't think it was any. It, it was possible to outride Bernsey, but now we've actually met a chance. And Bernsey, the important thing, she has a restaurant. You don't have a restaurant. We're ditching you, mate. We're moving on. That's it. It's not, you just delete me. I'm gone. Bye. Uh, <laughs> do, do, me and, do me and Greg look like we're shy to walk into a restaurant? No. No, we are not. <laughs> I'm just big bones, Scotty. Come on. Yeah, sure, mate. And uh, right. what, what got you in the hard enduro? Like you could have just ridden normal enduro, but you've, you've gone for the hard stuff straight up. Um. Yeah, I guess... Um... I think the circle, it's just the people that I met were all into hard enduro and um, the first few times that I went out riding with them, it was just like, it just looked so cool and I just wanted to be able to, you know, do all the stuff that they could do and it's just so inspiring to see what you can do with a dirt bike. It's just a very heavy machine but they ride it like it's a bicycle and um, it's just really amazing and once again like every time I come to these races I get re-inspired again watching people who ride like really well and you know I would love to be able to ride like that one day um yeah just once at a time we we can expect to see you at all all the um, remaining rounds for the grassroots enduro series uh, hopefully, Tasmania seems far to travel to, yeah. but I made it at Morgan, so exactly. yeah, yeah. But it's definitely fun. I just love the vibe, and I just love meeting other people who, you know, are passionate about the sport, just as much as I am. And um, I love hearing their stories as well, how they got there, and yeah, it's uh, awesome. Your, pa- your passion for it is infectious. So I'm glad you come to the events. Yeah. What bike do you ride? Um, I'm on a Beta Cross Trainer 300. You enjoy that one? Yeah, yeah, definitely um, helping me to, yeah, be a better rider. Yeah, nice one. All right, Angela, thanks very much for joining us. Really good thanks. to hear your story. And we'll, we'll see you at Goldfields, eh? Yes, I'll see you there. All right, thanks, Take care. Bye. Cheers. Bye-bye. Yeah. Look, we just heard to had that story and I'll, she won't mind me mentioning that but I know um, Amy Davison's story it's exactly the same mucked around on road bikes a little bit got a bit bored with that seen the the dirt bike thing was kicking off got involved with it blew up went into lockdown had to buy a brand new bike because she wore out her one year old bike just put too many hours on it and I'm like got the exact same model same age bike and I'm like hey, you're putting on twice three times the hours I'm putting on this is these young girls are just killing us. Yeah, They're getting uh, shit together. Well, like I said, but yeah, Angela leads rides out at Menai, and she was actually telling me on one ride, she just put a post up because she wants people to go riding with her, so she's just not riding alone. She put a post up, hey, guys, I'm going for a ride. She turned up, it was like 45, 50 riders there, and none of them keep up with her. 
Well, you kind of stuff. I would have. I was planning on joining up, um, hooking up to go for a ride. I was ready to go for one tomorrow, but you cut us off too short. But um, but that that's a Menai thing, I suppose. Ten years ago, when I lived down there, you put up that you're riding at Menai, and you get guys come from it every walk, come yeah. and show up there for a ride. I got so many stories about Menai rides. Yeah, I've got time to hear any of them. No, I, I, I do have the time, Scotty. You can happy to see you all night with you. No, you don't. No, you're they're long. You're, you're yeah. long. I did catch. I did catch Amanda as I was riding around, and yeah, just every time I saw her, she just had the biggest smile on her face. Fair play, just loving it, just loving the track. Good. good well, I've received a few emails. Uh, feedback from riders. Uh, I haven't read them all because literally there'd be over a hundred emails there, uh, and probably oh. Uh, over 200 people emailing the GS, uh, GPS route. But there was a heap of first-time riders at this event, and uh, many of them have said, mate, absolutely brilliant, and, uh, and they're hooked. So they're coming back for sure. It's, it's just, it blows me away that people haven't raced before are coming to race a hard enduro event for their first ever event. Um, I, I don't get it. I, I thought they would have gone for a traditional enduro, you know, an easier terrain event over a hard enduro event. So it, uh, it's great. It's bloody brilliant they are, but it just to me it seems like the, the backwards way to do it. Don't get it. I must be missing. This is my, this is my theory on it. All right, we all we all know who Graham Jarvis is. He's the biggest endorsement for our sport, hard enduro. Every doesn't matter what style of dirt biking you do. You could be just a trail rider down along the train lines, or a pro motocross rider. Everybody know, knows who he is, and everybody idolizes the guy. He's an old guy. He's out there doing it for us, fellas, and. He's proven how much fun and enjoyable this hard enduro scene is. So I think a lot of people are just going, well, it's now available. There's actually a category out there. I want to go and do what Graham Jarvis does. And then, you know, the the runoff to that is the other guys we all know about, the Marios, the the Menis, the, the Billies, all those guys are now becoming just like such an influence with the YouTube thing. Um it's like free advertising for the hard enduro scene. I think that's what it is. Guys are just enjoying the challenge. Standard enduro has been around forever and it's fun. I enjoy it. I, I, I'd much rather ride a, a fast flow on track if I'm just going out for a trial ride. But I suppose if I'm going to enter a race, I want to enter a hard enduro because I want to actually be challenged and I want to see how far I can push myself and can I wear out the other rider by getting up that rock's ledge before he does. So, uh, you yeah. know, I think that's what it is. The passion's there for people to go and push themselves, and we're created for them. What do you reckon, Craig? I don't know. I, I was thinking definitely the social media stuff's got a lot to do with it. Like, <clears throat> it's not the best for Enduro just seeing these guys go around these berms blowing this dust away, right? But you see the guy jumping on top of a shed roof, you know, it's a lot, <laughs> it's, it seems a lot better, right? Or riding the rocks and all that. And I think it's a lot less scary as well. Like Scotty said, he preferred to ride fast. But we all know it's pretty dangerous to ride fast and it hurts when you come off. Where it's harder to ride these creeks and rocks, but when you fall off, you're just falling off at walking speed, you know. So it's maybe a bit less intimidating. And yeah, it's all about the challenge again up yeah, getting up something that your mates can't do or whatever. And but yeah, I got yeah. a I got a decent crew of riding buddies I ride with and they're competent guys and they love the hard injury stuff too, but they, they froth over the the Erzberg things, you know, they, they sit there and they watch it and they talk about it and that. So I think that's that's what it is with most the riding culture, the most crew 
of guys that are out there riding. You know, they're going to sit there and they're going to talk about Erzberg and, oh, did you see that Graham Jarvis had a fault and he was 100, oh, sorry, an hour off the pace and he overtook 480 riders and, you know, that that's, gets people talking. And so when they start looking at racing and they hear that there's a new series about that's all about the hard injury thing, oh, I'm a bit curious about that. I might need to go check that out. So it's it's a great thing for us. Yeah, no doubt. Well, look at the way it's grown so far. Um, and next next event, we've got 270-something riders registered already. And I've probably got about another 50 that want to register. Um, so, yeah, I'd like to check out what we can do there. And talking about Goldfield, Scotty, we're up there this weekend cutting the track. But we won't get into that just yet. We'll get into that a little bit later. Um, look, on Saturday night, so after prologue, we had race down on Sunday. On Saturday night, I was out at the property and I was topping the toilets up with toilet paper and doing a few things and hanging up the um, hanging up the prologue times there under the tent as well so people could see them. It was 10 to 9 and I felt guilty for being there. There was not a noise, not a whisper from anybody. I was drove, drove through the camp with the lights just on, just the parkers on, just you know, so I was obviously there down the road. Um, and it was probably about four, maybe five campsites sitting up around the fire, dead quiet. Mate, I felt guilty. It was you could have heard a pin drop. It was amazing. So it's good to see these riders you know, are just respecting other people's dedication towards the sport. They're travelling all over the all over Australia, and uh, and disrespecting the fact they've spent so much time training, money, and time getting to the event. So yeah, look, thanks very much to the riders for doing that, and also leaving the property dead clean. Um, I was probably one of the last people to leave the property and there was nothing there at all. It was absolutely spotless. So, yeah, thanks to everybody for leaving the property clean as well. It was awesome. Yeah. I, look, that was the exact same at Cozzy. I stayed on the property at Cozzy and I'd go into town and have dinner and that. I'd get back about 9 o'clock and I'd do a walk around the camp and that, you know, just say hello to anybody that was up and it. There was nobody up to talk to. Yeah. I was like, oh, I was just go and sit by myself then. So, yeah, everybody's just, you know, <laughs> the, the culture of, Unless they see me coming and hiding. But I think the culture of these guys are just, yeah, that's they're there for a reason, respectful. You don't hear those, you know, 500 start up in the middle of the night and go straight to the rim limiter where you get at some other style of events and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's it's the right culture. Yeah, you come up to the um, Sweet Raiders town, there was, there was a bit louder than up that side of the, that side of up the on, field. Up on the hill. <laughs> up on the hill. The VIP. VIP. And the, I sit up there after projector going. Watching the football. Yeah, actually, that was that was after the um, after the race, not after the prologue. It was pretty quiet yeah. there for a long night. So, what was the real reason you didn't race again, Bernie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool. Uh, well, I suggested that we have a sweeps race on the on the Monday. That um, everybody. Yeah, we did. I won. I a field Jerry on my knees. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> We cannot ride in the same direction together. Every time it becomes we we're riding in any direction, it becomes a race immediately. I was me and Scotty just flat out up the campground street at the end of the race when we're putting our bikes away, and I had an empty fuel jerry on my lap. You know the trick where you like you lay on your back with a Malteser and you blow on it and it floats in midair. Like the fuel jerry was like floating in midair as I was riding down, down the campground street. And I'm trying to hold this thing between my knees and my arms. <laughs> Pretty funny. We can't even go. We can't even go out and just check a section of the track without it becoming a race. <laughs> and and the unfortunate thing is, when you build the track, you know where all the shortcuts are. So, yeah, you you might be riding a little farm bike, the little CR two fifty, and next minute 
it's on and you got a 300 coming up behind you and you, you're not happy. Yeah, I'll, I'll first submit. When, when I've got a CR250, I'm more than a, um, accountable for taking the shortcut. Next minute, the, <laughs> oh, we're going to end up hurting each other, Burns. We've got to stop doing this. Yeah, it is pretty funny though when, um, you know, overtake the CR, cruise around the corner and all of a sudden this, this image of like Donkey Kong comes out of the bush in front of you as he's shortcutting the track, <laughs> and he's like bouncing along these rocks on the CR two thirty or whatever it is, and he beats me to the finish line. He's cut two k's of track, but he still wins. <laughs> At one stage, I came actually off a fire road, and we'd just put fresh bunting up, and I was like, "Oh, so tempted to just break this bunting and so I could get out in front of him." And so I didn't, I guess, because I was it was my own hard work that I was going to wreck, and um. So I ducked to get under the bunting, and Craig sort of gave me a bit of an elbow as he'd gone past. I'm like, all right, it's on here, and I'm getting dusted yeah. out. Silly mistake, and I put my goggles on, so I have to pull over, and I'm like, yeah, well, I know where the next shortcut is, so I'll take the next one. I'll come out in front of him. I've actually had to slow down now to let him catch up. You oh. did well, because I didn't even know where that shortcut was. Yeah, it's about it. <laughs> if you're not paying attention, you look away, uh, Greg's – adding all these people to our chat, and next minute, Casey's popped up on my screen. Hey, <laughs> right, how you going, Casey? Not too bad, yourself? Yeah, good. Well, this is Casey from Pulse Media. Um, yeah, we just had Angela on. Angela Yee. We had her on just a few moments ago, telling us about her experience at uh, Einstone Extreme. At Einstone, yeah. Yeah. How, how, what was yours? Oh, it was eventful. Eventful, and, yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, a lot of new riders this year that hadn't hadn't been out to the course or hadn't actually entered event before, so we came across quite a few of those uh, throughout the race, which was great. What was something that happened over the weekend that just stands out and makes it memorable for you? I think actually one of the standout moments would be from a first-time uh, competitor race. Um, there'd be a bronze rider um, caught up with them many times throughout the race. They were pushing hard, didn't think they were going to make it, a few breaking points, and then um, I leave my position and we try to get around the track as much as we can, and I met her just as she crossed the finish line and she burst into tears, Miss Sally Higgs. She did unreal to finish her first first event and she finished it. She made it the whole way around, which was, yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, I'm so- yeah, and I was meant, I meant to catch up with Sally after the race because I was talking to her um, before the race uh, and she said it's her first ever race she, she's entered. And Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll so, tell you. Yeah, she did, she did well. She got to complete the whole lap and came in as a finisher. So, yeah, awesome. it was good. Awesome because I, I don't get to see everybody who does finish because I'm just that, that busy. Oh, good news. That's great. Yeah, yeah. How, how's your legs? Oh, they're terrible actually. <laughs> <laughs> I have I've never heard of midges. I didn't even know what midges were, and apparently, um, I look like um I've, I've got monkeypox or chickenpox. It's way worse than the chickenpox. It's it's absolutely shocking, actually. So, yeah, while spending some time down in the creek, didn't realise till that night that I've been eaten alive. <laughs> have you been crying out there cutting tracks, getting bitten by all those bloody midge insects? No, I generally wear pants when I'm riding around, so no, I don't get any. I think this is the first event I've ever worn pants at. The first, of, I mean, first event I've ever worn shorts at. I didn't mean to say that. So, I'm so wrong. That's a, I've been thinking about going to Patreon. 
I meant to say short, so yeah, I know, so I definitely be going back to pants. Queensland was a bit hot, so I opted for shorts and nah, never it, again. It was a bit different to Kosciuszko, wasn't it? We had uh, had a bit of heat and dust. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, Cosy was pretty cold and wet. Where this was, yeah, it was it was great conditions really for the riders. Um, I think most of them, as hard as they thought it was at the time, yeah, they. They all in all in all talking to a few of them this way, they, they thought it was a fantastic track. We're more than more than happy to come back again. So awesome, good stuff. Good. Scotty, you were going to say something? I just looked up Sally's time, or six thirty-four. So she smashed it. She came in with heaps of time to spare. Yeah, that's, yeah. So that's that's awesome for a first race. But yeah, I'm going to talk about those bugs as well. We we'll had to go out there and retrieve that bike on the Monday, and at one stage I was sitting there waiting for somebody to come and help me. And I was just getting swarmed by them. The, the things were picking me up and throwing me around like it was at the wrestling. You <laughs> <laughs> dressed? Uh, oh, man, I was standing Sorry, yeah, we, we, we love interrupting each other here too, Casey. Oh, so no. feel free to talk over top of everyone. No, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. Well, well, I was going to say, Casey, you told me a story about the, the two kids out in the track. You'd have to tell everyone the story about them two, uh, them two boys found randomly on the track there. Ah, yeah, so on um, on Saturday, I ran into these two little kids that came up and introduced themselves to, my, to myself and said, um, can you please take a photo of me? So we want to be famous. I said, oh, okay. Got, got a photo of them cheering and um, come race day, I ran into them again and they were a bit afraid because they got lost on the track last year and I think they got in big trouble for it. So they were pretty um, hesitant to walk too far and they said, um, can we join you? Can we come with you? So I said, yeah, all right, leave your bike there and we'll, we'll come up and watch, you know, the, the Golden Seal. We watched the prologue and we went out on race day. So they came with me through the creek and, yeah, they commentated and cheered the whole way. There's going to be, yeah, a ripper clip I think we'll dedicate just to them and their view of the race and um, who they predicted and what bikes they liked. And, yeah, it was very funny, yeah, yeah. Un- unbeknownst to them, their mum and dad were both racing and um, came up to me and yeah, they were a bit worried because they couldn't find them, but they were, they were in safe hands. They had a ball. <laughs> were those two, two little kids on a push bike, were they? They were, yeah. So we had to, had to go back at the end of the day because he forgot where he hid his bike on the track, so yeah. I knew where it was. <laughs> they, came, they came up to me in Tim Coleman and sort of, Looking at us, I said, You're right, mate. And said, Yeah, just gotta wait for the race to finish because we don't know where we put our push bike. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, we'll lose that on at the bottom of the hill at Prologue. Yeah, yeah, so no, no they're, they're characters, so there is actually, yeah, there'll be a cool little edit or a few minutes of them, just them on race day and just them trying to do the hard parts of the track they found on foot and. Yeah, they were doing snow angels in the sand. They were, yeah, it was, it was quite comical. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, nice. Talking about people finishing, um, we had young Tom Woodhouse. He did one lap, but he actually went out for his second lap. And this is what the uh, the results, the results, I guess, are a little bit like a GoPro camera. They don't show the steepness of a hill and the um, mm. the, well, the unofficial results so far and the final results won't show up, but they don't show the dedication and the effort some riders do put in. Tom went out for a second lap. But his second lap didn't count because he timed out on his second lap. So only his first lap counts. But he busted his absolute hump to get around that second lap. And it's yeah, just, he I absolutely give, did. Yeah, I just want to give him credit to, to you. Know, that's not missed. Um, it's only been a Coleman. And a Coleman, she timed out. Um, 
but she did one full lap. But she just battled for over seven hours to make make all the way around. So credit to them. You saw you saw Tommy on the track, didn't you, Casey? Yeah, I did. I ran into Tommy. Um, he, he stopped stopped a little bit and um, made me quite aware that he had, hadn't had water. He'd run out of water. So I think when he came through his first lap, he hadn't collected or refilled any of that. So um, we upended the camelbacks into his to set him going, have a bit of a break to see what was left. And um, yeah, he was he was he was pretty buggered by then. But yeah, he's strong. He pushed through and obviously yeah made made the rest of the course around. He's got a big future, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, yeah. There is actually a Nina Coleman story. Um, the sweeps were with her and they had heard over the radio that the track was now closed and they can now, you know, remove the riders from the track and they were at a service road trying to get her attention and get her to, to leave with him and she just wouldn't make eye contact with him. I think it was, it was like, if I don't look at you, he's out there and I'm just going to keep going until I finish this lap. Yeah. She didn't care that she timed out. She wanted to finish that lap. So, that's, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Mission accomplished. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, photos, Casey, did you manage to get a whole heap? What was that, sorry? Photos, did you manage to get a whole heap of photos? Yeah, we got so many on Prologue. I'm about to sit down, finish the rest off right now. Um, totally forgot I had a 2023 three. Fox launch tonight down in Melbourne. So I've come home from the airport last night, come home, work today, went back to the airport tonight and I've just got home again. So finish the rest off tonight and I'll be yeah, all up. But lots and lots on prologue. On Sunday race day, we had a slight delay after the um, gold, silver and bronze hill. We managed to get a bit of a flat tyre. So we got that repaired pretty quick, which allowed us to get around and get everywhere else for the rest of the day. So, yeah, got, got some cool shots in there. Yeah, nice one. We um we were on a lot of rider interviews, so no, it'd be good. Oh, that's good. Looking keen to see that come out. We were on the um, radio to the medic, and we could edit this shit out. But we're on the radio to the medic. Ryan said, "Is there a twelve volt a twelve volt outlet on the buggy so you can use the pump to pump the tire up? Because we've got an electronic pump." And he goes, "Oh, I'll have a look." This bloke's an electrician, right? The the medic is actually a qualified electrician. About ten minutes later, because he goes, "Nah, there's no outlet here." So I look at the buggy on Sunday afternoon. There's a 12 volt outlet right next to the key. It's like a cigarette. Why do we plug it in? He's yeah. probably looking for the 243 pin, pin plug. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Is there anything else you want to add, Casey? Um, probably yeah. not at the moment. No. Right. It looks like, is that your, are you at home? Yeah, I'm at home. Yeah. It looks like you're in an office. It's really neat and tidy. Yeah, it's kind of an office. There's bits and pieces everywhere I've collected from around. Yeah. Uh, all right, fair enough. Right. Last time we had Casey on, she just had the laptop sitting on the coffee table laying on the lounge. <laughs> With shorts on. <laughs> well, you, you just, you just, you came in a little bit late because Craig was talking about laying on his black back, blowing chocolate salty balls into the air. I'm like, <laughs> where was he going? <laughs> Maltesers. You missed it all. You missed it all. <laughs> We're not called Maltesers, but the, it's the same thing. I was called Maltesers. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, Casey. Appreciate it. No worries. You're welcome. See thanks you guys. For, yeah, thanks for coming uh, up to the event. Appreciate it. And no putting up videos of me falling off this time, all right? What have I got of you? I'll find something there. <laughs> no more. Stop embarrassing me. There'll be plenty. Make up, up a meme with Scotty and next with Donkey Kong model I'm, from Super I'm, Mario I'm sure Photoshop can uh, – we can work out on something.
Uh, look, the, the best one I have seen is the one where I'm chasing my own shadow. That was quite amusing. <laughs> Peter Pan. <laughs> I was talking to Denise on the way home because that's what you do when you're in the car for 12 hours with your wife. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how long it, but I said, it's like the Duke, the, 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 um, the grassroots crew, it's kind of like Dukes of Hazard. We've got Casey, who's Daisy. We've got, we've got Chris and Wade, who are Bo and Luke, who are always in the car. We've got Scott, who's Boss Hog. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're a pretty cool crew. We get along well. Uh, it's all good. All right, Casey, thank you. Uh, see you, bye. See ya. Bye. See you, mate. Bye. Oh, I thought you were going to call me Bo or Luke then. I was getting excited, and now I'm <laughs> Boss Hog. All right, fair enough. All right, what are we going to talk about? Let's get serious about this. All right, we haven't even we haven't even spoke about the gold or any of. No, you're, the you're right. Yeah, let's get in sort of crapping on um, to ourselves. I'm going to read out the results. Uh, first, in first place, we had Matt Mash for bronze. Second place, we had Michael Venos. And third place, we had Jake Marjorie. I just noticed. So Matt Marsh, first lap, two hours two minutes. Matt Mash. Second lap. Mash. Matt, 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 Matt Mash. Yep. Two hours, two minutes, first lap. Second lap, five minutes quicker. You're kidding me. Five minutes quicker. Wow. Now, Michael, first lap, two hours, five minutes. Second lap, quicker than Matt's. Far out. That's some, that's some tough competition. So those two boys, their second lap was 11 seconds difference. Wow. One hour, 57 minutes, 40 seconds versus 51 seconds. And then third place, Jake, first lap, two hours, nine minutes. So that, those three guys there, just alone, have come over the uh, start-finish line with you know, a seven-minute gap between them on such a long track. That's, that's pretty good. But he's taken seven minutes off his second lap. Jake has? Yeah. Jake's second lap was seven minutes quicker than his first lap. Now, just by gl- glancing at this, I'll go from really quickly, but, but just going to glance at this, then you've got fourth place, Jake. His first lap, uh, Jake Rizzo, his first lap, two hours, 18 minutes. His second lap, 10 minutes quicker. But get a load of this one. Fifth place, Mackenzie Hall. First lap, two hours, 26 minutes. His second lap, two hours, one minute. So he found 25 minutes in his second lap. That, hang on. Would that be the fastest lap time without going through? No, nah, nah, not for those boys. The fastest lap time is uh, Michael Benos. One hour fifty-seven minutes. Oh, okay. But but to find out that these guys can drop twenty-five minutes on their second lap, they're, they're oh, not no. even worn out. Well, we're, we're not even breaking them down. They're just getting they're just getting on it. Yeah. No. The only thing I was thinking over that is, are we taking in account the start time there? Because the race starts at eight a.m. Right. So if the uh, prologue is right back, that's. 17, 18 minutes before they even start the race. Nah, that's a, that's a good point, Craig. Yeah, they might because I think it took about eighteen minutes to get everyone off the grid anyway. Um, okay, and they are bronze, so that's a good point. Yeah. Well, that, that's also saying that 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 even if their lap times are equivalent, that's just yeah. You'd expect somebody in this type of league on their second lap to be half an hour slower. Yeah, of course. Yeah, plus. Yeah. So, and it goes further down. Even if you look down at, like, you know, 15th place, he was quicker on his second lap. Everywhere. Um, 24th place, he was 10 minutes quicker. 
just these guys are really showing some stamina out there. There's one guy, you know, I won't go into naming, um, but uh, his, his first lap versus his second lap is 20 minutes slower. So you'd sort of expect that across all of them, but to see these guys up the top of it, putting in such a really strong performance in their second lap is awesome. Was it track improving? don't know, because I started thinking about, oh, maybe they weren't getting bottlenecked, but you wouldn't expect them to be bottlenecked if they're in the top 10 anyways. Yeah. No, they wouldn't be bottlenecked for sure. Um, no. Maybe tougher trails had more of, a, more of a trench in there, but them guys probably would have smashed that, that hill anyway. Mm-hmm. And I flipped over to silver now, so go for the silver riders. Well, in first place, we've spoken about John, John Gatt. Um, he's never raced before. What, what was John's? How much did John Gatt beat Paul Simon by? Three minutes. On the first three. one? Oh, so their final over the finish line was three minutes difference. That's pretty good. Like the beat within three minutes of somebody after um, five and a half hours of racing is, is yeah. pretty good. But his first lap was two minutes, two hours, 44 minutes. And Paul's first lap was two hours, 45 minutes. So they were only 30 seconds off each other. On their first lap, they must have been. They they were riding together. There's no way you're not riding with the other guy if you're that close together. uh, They were right behind each other. I was in the end of pickle juice watching them boys come through on their second lap, and first, second, and third were minutes minutes away from each other after, and that would have been after four hours of racing. Well, actually, stand by. It gets better. I've looked a bit further down the list. Josh Ibrahim actually come over the line first. So he was at 2.41. So he got them by a couple of minutes, and then the next three guys all crossed the line together. They're, they're within seconds of each other. Yeah, right. So that top four riders are all within five minutes. And Josh must have a bit of an issue out on the track on his second lap because his second lap's uh, three hours 16. So he may have yeah, suffered yeah. a bit of – He had a break issue. Yeah, right. I didn't actually – I actually had dinner with him that night. I didn't actually have the – I didn't even think to ask him about his race. He, he seemed pretty fresh and lively there, but um, he's obviously had an issue to drop that time. He, he um, He's probably kicking himself now to be out of the top three. Yeah, because I, I smoked him in pickle juice, and um, I said, what's going on? Because I heard his brakes squealing, and he said, oh, my, my front brakes locking up or whatever. And I said, what is it? Were you two brothers and brakes this weekend? Because Wade wanted to take um, – a break off someone here yeah, because he had a back hey. break issue in the prologue. So apparently Wade's rear brake adjusting nut had come loose and the piston, the, the master piston had adjusted itself to take out the free play. So that means he'd done his prologue lap with his brake drag and there's a video out there of somebody pouring water on it and it boiling. So he thought that, okay, it's cooled down, I'll go for another lap. And he went out for a second lap, but it locked up. So he didn't get his second prologue lap in. But I do actually have his prologue time here. And his prologue time with a dragging break is still pretty, pretty, pretty. Um, so he can't fall prologue. Miles away. No, well, okay. So, yeah, he, he's he's a minute off Chad, uh, Chadwick, Ruben Chadwick. He's, he's nearly a minute off him. But to still be fourth and giving it to the guys behind him that didn't have bike problems. That means he's pushed that bike pretty hard to the ride for dragon dragging brake. But then he, um, Josh, his brother, has suffered a brake failure 
probably from poor adjustment as well. On the front break, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Josh Josh is a proper rider too. He's, he's, he's very, very quick and skilled. It's very unusual to hear that a front break is dragged. He might have been a disc or something. Maybe, possibly, did, yeah. Did he, did he tell you what it was that was playing up, Bernsey? I'm pretty sure it was a front disc, but I may be thinking of Dark. Yeah, I don't know if you saw Chris Dark's interview I put up. He actually had to change his front disc. At, at this uh, race? Yeah, because Chris Dark Chris Dark his disc at um, Cozzy and he was in there because his campground was right beside mine and they were in there for grinder and bashing and banging and that so they were trying to get the din out of the, the disc to finish to enter the Sunday race so did um, Josh suffer the same thing you think he's got a bent disc maybe need some yeah. Some discards on that creek because it was they were both after the pickle juice creek. That's where they done it. Mm, and Chris Dark, his first lap was quite competitive, and um, his second lap was quite uh, I don't know way down on what you'd expect him riding with him in past years. He's um, quite uh, well mm. with the endurance ride, and he he can hold the same pace for a couple couple of hours. So yeah, for in him fact, to have a uh, second lap in, included changing the front disc. That's why. Yeah, well, he's 20 minutes off, 22 minutes off on his second lap. So that's a good effort to change a disc and uh, get back out there. I'm just going to click on the bronze because he was talking about, oh, there's someone I want to talk about. We'll come back to Scotty in a minute. Corey Kennedy. Corey Kennedy. Now, Corey Kennedy finished in seventh position. Corey Kennedy, and I hope you don't mind me saying, Corey, he was a big dude when I first met him in probably 2019. Now, it's only a couple of years later, every time I see Corey turn up to an event, he's looking fitter and fitter and fitter and stronger and stronger. Um, so kudos to Corey. He's uh, he's taking this proper seriously, and he's training his butt off. He's training his butt off in the gym. He's training his butt off on the bike. Uh, kudos to, um, to Corey for doing it. Now, Scotty, back to what you are saying. All right, so I was just rattling through the times of the Silver Riders and you know, how competitive these guys are getting. There's a few new guys that are now getting up in the top 10s as well. And um, I was talking about Trent. Yeah. Trent is in 10th position. Is that Trent Bogle? Was he um, winning races last season? Or was, it, was yeah. that a different Trent? No, I'm looking at bronze, the unofficial bronze class results, and I don't see a Trent there. So what are you looking at? All right, so he, he's now in silver. Oh, okay. You've gone. You're looking at silver. Okay, so Trent was winning um, positions in bronze, and now he stepped up, has he? Oh no. Okay, different Trent. Okay. You're, you're, okay, Trent. You're thinking of Trent Tushi. Trent Tushi was in silver. Trent has actually gone to gold now, and Trent Tushi's on a, a uh, Shuko 300 four stroke. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Yeah. He is. He 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 didn't come to the event. Uh, okay. Because yeah, he no commitments. Okay, so his name's missing out of the the list completely. Yeah, All right, so what what I was trying to get to there um, last year we had him and Chris Dark punching pretty hard up the front, and now um, Chris has been knocked out of the top five. So there's a few new names up there. You know, Josh w- was always up in the top, you know, three or four as well. So there's a couple new names up there now, sort of shaking it up. There's a couple more hanging around in the top ten I haven't seen before. So. The silver category is really getting a bit of a shake up there, and there's a few guys out there that are quite competitive, and I think we're going to see their names constantly up there for the rest of the season. Yeah, well, Paul Simon, who came in, and we haven't mentioned really Thomas Sabo yet, but Paul Simon, who came 
second after John Gatt. Um, he's from South Africa originally. He's raced South, um, the roof of Africa a couple of times. So he's got plenty of hard enduro experience. And Paul's talking about going to gold at some point in time. So it'll be interesting to see how he goes up there if he moves up. Mm, yeah, he did mention that in the presentation. That was um, mm. a good surprise to hear that we've now got guys that are international coming over here and riding and, um, you yeah. know, Bringing different flavour of riding style to these guys that are already here. Yeah, that's it. Today I had an email off another fellow who's um, who's migrated to Australia from South Africa, and same deal. He's ridden uh, hard and in South Africa, including the Rift of Africa before, and wants to come out to Goldfield Extreme. So it's uh, we're certainly attracting people. And I don't know if I mentioned it before, but this race because I have mentioned it, but I don't have mentioned the podcast before. We attracted riders from every single state and territory across Australia for this one. We had guys from over um, Neil Price and his crew from over in Western Australia. We had a fellow from Northern Territory. We've got Tasmania, South Australia. I no, don't need to name all, but every state and every territory in Australia. But it's uh, it's a credit to all the riders and the dedication for it. Um, so, yeah, Thomas Sabo. Well, look, so we've got John Gack, Paul Simon, Thomas Sabo in third position. And then we go back and go up to Gold Riders. As I said before, Wade Ibrahim, Ruben Chadwick, and Robbie Nowak in, in that order. I'm just going to pull up these times now. Have you got the times in front of you, Scott? Yeah, I've got the time. So, well, I'm actually going to start with Chris Perry because his first lap was three minutes 10. So, he wasn't the fastest rider on his first lap, but he was up there. And apparently, the story goes sorry, three minutes 10, three hours 10. Yep. Um, apparently, his first lap. This is his side of the event. Was his back wheel took a hit? It pushed his um, chain adjuster. His chain went loose, which flapped on the front sprocket and took all the teeth off the front sprocket. So he had no drive whatsoever. Um, he tightened the chain that tight. It had no slack in it. But he finished that lap, so he was competitive. He made a decision not to bother changing a front sprocket, even though he had one, because he figured the time lost in the mechanical would put him in a position where he probably wouldn't never be able to make it up. So his second lap would have been a wasted lap. And going off his result in sixth place, he's probably made the right choice there. He might have got up, you know, one position. But um, Jade went out and got fifth on two laps, three hours and 24 minutes on his second lap. I doubt Chris would have made up that, you know, 20 minutes time to change that sprocket. So he probably made the right call there, save himself for the next race. And you got uh, Jason. Um, he's gone out and done two competitive laps, three hours 25 on the first lap, three hours 24 on the second lap. So that he's come all the way down from Cairns, is it? Yeah, Cairns, Jason Dwyer. Um, yeah, mate. And I, don't know, I actually don't know how old Jason is, but he's – I'm thinking – I think off the back of a conversation I witnessed at the pub, I think he's pushing the mid to late forties. So yeah, he's definitely on the wrong side of forty, and he keeps talking about quitting, but no, uh, I won't let him. <laughs> so no, nah, well, after a result like that, it's got to be pretty confidence boosting, and he's up there giving it to him. I, I do know he had a bit of a shocker down at Cozzy. I think he got overwhelmed by the wet and just got stuck and and stuff like all the other riders. But now that he's got a dry track, and I'm, I would imagine if he's from up north, he's probably used to a um, the, the same sort of train. I don't know. 
Cairns is pretty wet, isn't he? He's probably used to a bit of wet up there. Uh, they, mate, they, they do get a lot of rain up there, but Jason thrives in the heat and the humidity. He, he really thrives in that. Uh, you know, it gets down to 25 degrees in at Kosciuszko and he starts whinging about how cold it is. So just, he's just out of his environment. But uh, I, I can't blame him, mate. But he's an absolutely rock-solid rider. There's no doubt about it. His results shocked. I mean, fifth against Australia's best. Um, but he, he's up there. He, he is one of Australia's best. There's no doubt about it. And then, so now we're looking at the top four, and I, I don't really see a surprise in there at all. Anthony, Robbie, Ruben, Wade. It was predictable those four guys, went, and Chris was going to be in there, just what order. Yeah. So um, Wade, first lap, three hours, one minute. And then, you know, there's no question about his start time because he was right on the start grid. And his second lap is two hours and 52 minutes. So he's gone 10 minutes quicker on his second lap. And... That's yeah. that's look, we do know that these guys have have ridden the, the lap together. Like they they do come back and they tell us that at stages there they they can see each other and they they know where the other bike is because they can hear them and that and they're pressured by them. But to find out that he's just gone so much quicker on his own and he came back oh, five hours fifty three minutes. He crossed the finish line to Ruben's six hours and eleven minutes. He was there a long time before we seen Ruben come over that that finish line. He was, and Scotty, you and I were standing beside each other. And do you recall what Wade said when he pulled up? Um, nah. Okay. No, not, not in relation to whatever humour you're about to drop. No, it's not humour. He, he, he shook his head and started taking his helmet off, helmet off, and he just said, That was so much fun. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, <laughs> We need to make this harder. <laughs> if you're having fun out there, this ain't hard enough. <laughs> exactly yeah. right. Blake's a freak. <laughs> And, you know, and, and look, if any, anybody's listening to this and they don't know who these guys are, he's a family man, he's got a young kid, runs a business, never trains, rides an, I think, 2018 model bike that looks like it's actually done a tour of World War II. Um, and he just rocks up to the races unprepared and then pulls off blistering, blistering times like that. Somebody needs to get weighed and put him on a pro factory team. Yeah, look, mate, he's just one of those blokes. He's got natural talent. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter what Wade touches, mate. He, he turns at the gold. He's, you know, he's, he, he does wakeboarding and jet skiing. It doesn't matter. Mate. He's, he's one of those blokes. He'll take up any sport and he'll, he'll excel at it. And then we got, yeah, look, Ruben Chadwick, Robbie Nowak, who came into the oh, So I shouldn't just skim over Ruben. I mean, Ruben, you know, he rode really, really well. He's supported by Beta and he turns up to all our events. Um, and look, it's. I'd, really, I'd be interested. You know what? I'd be interested to know if Ruben had a clean run. Um, is he because his speed in the prologues are just astronomical, and to know that he was the first bike out on the track, is he getting a clean run? Is he making mistakes, or is he just picking wrong lines and the other guys are getting him? I, I don't be, know because like Ruben is Ruben is super super fast, and he's he's obviously very very skilled. I mean, you've all seen the videos of Ruben Chadwick. His skills are incredible. But he, I, I'm just, mate, I was really rooting for him to get a first position. I, I, you know, I was kind of, I'm there going, look, I'd love to see Robbie come over first. I don't know, mate. I, I, get, I get so passionate about all the riders, but I was keen to see Ruben come over first too. I don't think Ruben's had a first place of this yet. I don't think, I can't remember any, all of our series is, since 2009, and I'm not sure, Ruben would definitely know, but I don't think he has had a win, has he? I'm, I'm dead certain he hasn't. I'd really like to see him pull off a first place at some point. He deserves it. Because I know when Tim was strong, he was coming second to Tim a lot. And Tim's had a bit of a rest. And now all of a sudden, Wade stepped up and taken that role. So 
Ruben's been the bridesmaid probably more times he'd like to count. Yeah, yeah, he was always, he seems to be always on the podium, just can't get in that top spot. Mm-hmm. Shame we're not giving away. Shame, shame, you know, shame we don't run a system where we give away a point for the um, winning the prologue. He, he'd stir up the, the Australian Championship there because he's always getting that point. Oh, isn't it going to crack? I'm going to get some emails now. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Thanks, Scotty. Yeah. Um, There's always thinking of different ways of doing it. Yeah, I know. I know. And, and then we've got Robbie Nowak, who won last year. And he's, what was so we got Robbie, he came in at his total time was 6 hours and 35. And just to compare that, the Wade, Wade, who won, was 5 hours 53. Um, and his first lap was 3 hours and 5 minutes. One, he just a smidge under a minute behind Ruben on his first lap. Yeah, yeah. So those guys, you know, 01 to 07. So there's five minutes there. They would have seen and heard each other many times throughout that race. Um, Chris, well, Chris told us when he was in his two's lap, they were all riding together. And, um, yeah, there's no doubt Chris actually readjusted his train and done a 310. And he was at, in the top three at that stage. So it must be good fun for him to be out there. Um, I did have a sit-down interview with Robbie, and he, he was quite confident. He was very, um, uh, I don't know, very uh, optimistic with his training and that and his bike prep. So he he felt that he was there for it. He was going to give it to him. He, he didn't hold any punches back. But um, his second lap must have let him down, three hours and 29. I didn't. I had a quick chat with him, but I didn't ask him anything about what happened on his second lap. But to see that he's you know, 25 minutes off the pace, I dare say he's probably got stuck out there somewhere and lost some time there. Yeah, possibly. Um, yeah, I, I out of out of the top sort of five riders, I think um, Robbie probably is the one who has to actually work the hardest, only because um, he's got age. Uh, a bit more age than the others. Um, I know he works pretty hard at it, so maybe the age thing got to him. Let's put him sort of a little that, bit behind the second lap. How harsh are you? You might as well call me fat. Jesus Christ, you just knocked him down there. <laughs> yeah, Scotty, you are fat. He won't give in. There's no doubt about that. But the others are whippersnappers compared to him. Mate. Robbie's a dad now. Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you know what? I think the experience is the thing too. I've had conversations with some of the younger guys in the field and, you know, they struggle with getting constant results and that. And I think their their next, you know, five to ten years, they're going to be then up there with these guys or take overtake them. And as these guys retire and drop out, the guys that are at the bottom of the field will, will fill those positions. Yeah, well, let's see what happens at the next round. We we know the track will be shorter. Mm. I can't guarantee exactly the length of Ks, but at, at um, Goldfield Extreme, the track, just by the nature of the property, is going to be shorter. So that means they'll probably do more laps. But instead of being at the six-hour mark at the end of the race, they'll be closer to the four-hour mark. So if the race is a couple of hours shorter for him, um, he, he might be able to hold his ground out there. It wouldn't surprise me. The bloke's a beast. Hey, Burnsy, what did you say, mate? I missed it. No, just going to say um, I interviewed both Ruben and Rob at the um, halfway mark. At the fuel stop on the second lap, and the difference, you know, was massive. So, uh, Rob uh, Ruben came in first, obviously. Um, I just asked him how he's going. He's like, "Yeah, it's really good track," and he was really calm, not even out of breath. Um, didn't even put any water in. Didn't need that energy gel. Nothing. Just 
filled up his bike and was talking to me and go saying how good the track was and stuff. Really suits him, loves it. And then Rob came in and um, I put that up um, earlier on on Instagram. You can see that. And he's 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 in pain. He's like this super hard. He's eating two or three gels. Got people filling his camel back up for him. <laughs> and uh, he's cursing and swearing about how the track is. Um, we're still loving it. So obviously you can tell, you know, him and Ruben be working just as hard as each other in, in off off the race, I guess. But um yeah, that's that's the difference between a twenty, I don't know, how old Ruben is. He must oh, be look, I, I don't know, but I'll be guessing Ruben's probably twenty two, maybe. I'm just saying that it's good um to see how you know hard work or what Rob's doing pays off if you can keep up with the young kids. Yeah, but having said that, look, there's no excuse for him. He needs to just pull his finger out of his ass. Look at Jarvis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's definitely over forty, but I can't remember his age. Yeah, yeah. When he said, uh, and he said he nearly had a meltdown when when he came in after the first lap and said, "You need to go out for a second lap." <laughs> yeah, I did tell him he needed to go out for a second lap. He, he didn't look happy. Um, have you have yeah. you seen Robbie when he doesn't look happy? At you and he looks you in the eye. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not a good moment to be. <laughs> yeah, especially when he's towering like two feet above you. <laughs> yeah, he's seven and a half foot tall. He's got the hands the size of dinner plates. He looks at you and says, "I'm not happy." <laughs> Those top five or six guys were all at the pub on Sunday night. They were doing, um, they were shouting each other lemonade and stuff. And um, to stand with them, stand amongst those guys, and you, oh, I'm, oh, I'm pretty average on the height. And you just sort of like look at I'm going to cramp and you know what's going on here. <laughs> You're pretty average on the height. Yeah, below. Below. <laughs> we said that at the same time. Neil Price. Neil Price came all the way from WA. Um, Neil's a really, really skilled trials rider who um, who also rides some hard enduro. I'm just looking at his lap time. So he has gone. No, not his lap time. Look at his lap time. So Neil completed one lap, three hours, 43. So he was 42 minutes behind the leader, but still respectable. I mean, just to get one lap in is obviously respectable. Neil Price, how you going, Neil? Good, mate. Yourself? Can you hear me okay? Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, I can hear you fine, mate. Now, just to let you know, this isn't live. It is recorded. So if you want to talk shit, we can edit it out. It's not a problem. (laughs) No worries. I'm just... I'm literally in the process of putting kids to bed and sorting all that stuff out. So, <laughs> sorry, mate. No, well, it's nine thirty. Nine thirty for us. We we are. So, what's about six thirty where you are? Yeah, seven thirty. Seven thirty. You guys are out of daylight savings, so yeah. Mate, well, look. Thanks very much for coming over for all the way from WA. Um, appreciate your commitment. Now, how's the series going over there for you guys at the moment? Yeah, really, really good. The 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 West crew. Big shout out to Wes. Um, yep. Are doing a mega job in putting together a series of events, and and they're they're putting together a a series that's that's really been built well off the ground from the from day dot, and they've they've really gone about it in a a, oh, a really organised fashion, far more than's normally normally ever done in WA. So it's just going from um, you know from strength to strength at the moment. They've They've basically got a six-round series. There's a couple of um, kind of like enduro cross versions. Um, so mm. one one event's kind of a pure enduro cross, motocross, and enduro cross track. Um, another one's an enduro cross track with a cross country loop. And then the rest of the events are kind of like a, 
a short circuit hard enduro for one of a one of a word because we haven't got to the point to get a big property like you know like we had at Ironstone or something like that. So it's yeah. really going well. Yeah, no, and this did this didn't exist at all last year, did it? No, no, it didn't. Well, it kind of it kind of did. It was essentially a bunch of mates. You know, Craig Shaw is the guy that made it happen. Um, yeah. lit- literally just made it happen. It was it started off as a bunch of mates riding in the bush essentially. Well, there was I think there was a number of people who were looking at creating an event of some sort. I know because my family, in my family, we've got a motorbike shop, Motor Dynamics, and we're in the troll side of things and and we've got a lot of access to really difficult properties for want of a word. Um, and we were thinking, oh, you know, because with my coaching, I was come meeting a lot of hard enduro people and we were thinking, oh, we should we should make something. It's right for, you know, people want it. Um, and then Craig and that had this thing going up off the ground. So it was, I think, you know, there's people like Willie Thompson and a few of the other event people here in Perth were all looking at doing it. Um, and it was going to happen sooner or later. So I've been speaking with Shory for probably two years now behind the scenes and, you know, backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards, lots of questions and answers. It's so good to see it get off the ground. And you're right, it's come from a very, very strong base. It's been professional from the word go. And then you've got the, um, you know, the development team in there which is, I guess is you guys coming over yeah. and racing our events as well. Yeah, exactly. We um, There's there's a, a good group on the committee. We've got people who are really good on the ground. We've got people who are really good on the media stuff with Tiana and Rob, and, and we've got people who are good on the organisation stuff. We've got riders with experience. There's Darren Rudling and myself. We've got Darren's got many years of experience in the enduro side. He's been multiple state champion in enduro itself. Um. And then there's me helping with having done TVNs and European trials and all that side of things and lots of nationals. Um, and we've also, um, you know, ran the Australian Indoor Trials Championship and that. So and then amongst those other guys, they've got a lot of on-the-ground experience with, you know, building tracks, getting the enduro stuff done. Then there's, you know, Rob and Tiana with their organisation side of things, um, yeah. event management stuff. So there's a really good um, group of people that have got, you know, all the skills required, as you would know well yourself, Greg, you need more than just a knowledge or a passion of bikes. You need a whole range of people. So, Yeah, it's, it's, it's a huge operation. Um, you, you mentioned, um, sorry, sorry, you didn't mention, Mark Atherton. Now, Mark Atherton came nine and he got, I don't know anything about Mark. What's Mark's history? Well, Mark's really just a troll rider who, you know, loves loves his riding and has been putting in quite a bit big effort on the troll side of things for a couple of years now. Um, he started riding trolls, rel- I would say relatively late into his riding career, uh, you know, relatively late compared to a lot of us. I started when I was like five. Um, Mark started probably into his mid to late teens for want of a word, and he's only been at it a few years in all reality. Um right. And then, you know, he's seen me doing the hard enduro thing and he bought an enduro bike and he's always had, he had a KTM, I think he had a 200 or something that he used to just belt around in the bush. Um, and where he, where he lives is quite, um, it's quite good enduro terrain. He lives down in Donnybrook quite about, what, I think it's about three hours south of Perth. Right. Um, and he's got some pretty epic terrain down there to live and ride in. Um, so it was just, you know, the, the trials rider having a crack at the enduro side of things, really. So, and he did, he, I think he did really well at Ironstone. He did, um, far better than I think he expected himself. 
in the um in the technical stuff he did really well. He he just knows that he loses a lot of time on the actual kind of trail sections for one of a word. Yeah, look, Einstein's a little bit like that. We've mentioned it in a couple of previous podcasts. It's one of those events that the grinds away at you. It's, it's not really an extreme sort of condensed event like Kosciuszko was. So yes. You, you do need to have some speed about you on that, that type of property. Yeah, and I think I think that was probably the really good thing about it. Like, you know, for us going into it, we don't have a clue what's happening. A lot of the other riders already have ridden the events last year or whatnot. Um, yeah. But the balance that you guys got between the enduro stuff and the really technical stuff, I think it was pretty well spot on. You, I don't think you could have done it much better, to be honest. Yeah, no, well, thanks, mate. Thanks to all the crew up there who have uh, put those tracks in. What about Darren? How, how did Darren go? I mean, Darren came 14th, so he's not too far off the top 10. Uh, yeah. Did he enjoy the tracks? Yeah, he enjoyed it. He enjoyed it. Darren's pretty hard on himself. <laughs> So I think he lost a bit of time early um, and, he, and he got caught at the uh, one point early on. I'm not exactly sure well, where off the top of my head. Um, but then, yeah, he he did really well from that point on. Um, he really enjoyed the actual tracks and the loop itself. And and he, we all three of us basically said the same thing was that there was that really good blend where you, you know, you had the really, really technical stuff. I, I think the point that the guys loved the most was the creek bed line. What did you call it? Um, pickle juice. Pickle juice. Pickle juice. That's it. The guys, I know Darren and Mark both said, God, they absolutely love that section. Greg's finally dropped out. Oh, no, hopefully yeah. hopefully we don't lose the yeah. recording. <laughs> I'm, I'm but he, he asked about yourself, how'd your race go? You, you got an eighth position, um, a yeah. three-hour 43 for your lap. Um, yes. How'd you go there? How'd you feel? I was. I really enjoyed it. I'd, I'd love to have seen splits because at the beginning, I was probably being a bit too conservative. But in hindsight, it was the best thing ever because I faded off pretty quickly because I don't ride a great deal. Um, trial the trials or the enduro. I mean, God, the enduro bike. I just rode the the West events last year, and that was it. That was all I rode. So I know fitness was always going to kill me. Um, and by probably three quarters through, I was basically just plodding along, just just toddling along. At one point, I caught um, Tom Woodhouse, and I, I had the measure on Tom. I felt at that point, and I got in front of him, and I think I made a bit of a gap. And then I started slowing down. I could feel it in my hands, <coughs> but um, I think I did all right for a forty-year-old unfit dad. Um, <laughs> Having a bash at it, so I was, I was really happy with the outcome. To be honest, are you coming to Goldfields? I, I believe we are at the moment. I'm literally going to make that decision in the next couple of days. Um, it only it really <laughs> just comes down to money. <laughs> it's, it's a typical right. Neil Price response, isn't it? I'm not sure where I'm racing, but I'll be somewhere in the country racing somewhere. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. Well, we went and did the silly thing of opening up a motorbike shop back in, in December. So um, we've been, and then because we were we were promoting the Australian Indoor Trials Championship, um, yep. and COVID kind of wiped us out. So I've been on the back foot for a couple of years now. So um, yeah, it's it's been like that, unfortunately. But that's the joy of it. No, I'm here. I'm here, you mate. One step in front of the other to keep pushing forward. Exactly, exactly that. So, oh, mate, good, good on you, Neil. Thanks for taking the time to join us at such short notice, and. Uh, Thanks to the WA crew for, for coming over and supporting the series well, as well. Before we lose him, before we lose him, I've yeah. just 
I've just done a little bit of stalking. Um, Saturday, yeah. July 16th, Sunday, July 17th, you've got a coaching day. Um, yeah, that's correct. Yes, we're doing um, some hard enduro coaching um, at the venue for the t- where we had the 2J Terror. <clears throat> the um, was a really good West event, um, not the last one, the one before. Um, so I'm taking riders around on that loop. We're going to break that down the whole loop and and take them around and show them all the techniques required for each area and then a, a breakdown on how to approach the race and manage fatigue through the race and that as well. So should be a good one. So how long how long is that lap? Um, that lap was it was only like two two and a half k's, I think. Two point four k's. Oh, right, yeah. yep, it's yep. quite a small property. And we what we were doing is three we were doing three lap uh, sorry three hours as many laps as you can do and um they end up making a mistake in the timing and cutting it a little bit short um mm-hmm. but we were doing i think i was doing it in the fastest lap i did was about 15 minutes something like that so, oh, so it's, it's quite technical then it is very technical it's it's absolutely relentless like we found we actually we all talked about it we we're like the ironstone loop in many ways was kind of like 2J Terror, but stretched out over 37Ks or whatever it was. Um, <laughs> yeah. This one's probably a bit more technical, but but um, it was a blend over that distance. So, yeah. There's two more rounds. One is going to be down in Collie, which is going to be another natural terrain um, enduro loop. And then we've got another one at a new property that I've lined up for them down in, in Brookton, which we haven't used yet. And that one in particular I'm really looking forward to because that's going to be um, – I think quite a lot of fun, particularly for the bronze guys, some big big boulders and ramps and creek climbs and stuff. So it should be good fun. Well, that that's really good. Look, I'm glad the WA series has got off the ground. I was actually talking with Craig and I've, I've been talking with Collie Council probably over the last 18 months. And um, yeah. you know, there's a few blokes in WA saying, look, you need to come over here. So it, it's good it got off the ground because we've all got enough on our plates. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, look at Australia. We've got we've got the we've got a national series now. We've got the WA series, we've got the Vic series, we've got the Tassie series, the New South Wales series, and yes. I'll, I'll announce it now. We're going to have a Queensland series next year in 2023 as well. So, bloody hell, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is all in a space of three three and a half years, and despite yes. COVID. So, well, there's there's demand there for it, isn't there? Yeah, there is. There is. And before you join us on the podcast, I mean, we're talking about we're encouraging new riders. I mean, at our events, we're getting people never, ever raced motorcycles before coming to our events to race there. I mean, you know, like at yeah. uh, Ironstone Extreme, we had 16 ladies sign up. It's, yes, it's just yeah. amazing. It's crazy, isn't it? And that, that's the thing. If there's a demand there, it's going to go that way, isn't it? So the people, it, it's people voting with their feet that makes it happen. It is, mate. Absolutely. So, yeah, credit to uh, to your crew over there and and Craig Shaw. Obviously, he's put a lot of hard work into uh, into it to get it off the ground, and Tiana as well. Yeah, definitely, man. Not, not much appreciated. And yeah, like you say, hats off to all that crew. They're doing amazing. That's it. Good on you, Neil. Thanks for joining us, mate. No worries, guys. Have a good night. We'll catch up later. Thank you. Thanks, mate. Catch- Cheers, mate. Later. See ya. Thanks, Neil. Mate, there's definitely a um uh a collaboration with those guys coming up in the future. There was a couple of bikes over there, including Craig Shaw, chasing to get grassroots over in WA. And I said, look, we'll get there eventually. Um, at this point in time, we just need to concentrate on the East Coast. Um, so Craig sort of, you know, he's, he's taken his bat and ball and, 
and hit a home run. Um, he's put a lot of home, a lot of hard work into it. And to yeah. Willie McCulloch, he rode silver last year. He's moved up in the goal. He actually finished in ninth. Yeah. So well done for Billy. Billy's been training with Chris. Chris Perry. Yeah, right. Yeah. So yeah, that's a that's a strong effort to come up from silver, and now get a shake up there and get in the top ten. Yeah, bloody oath. And he probably uh, could did well. Logan did well. He came uh, mid pack gold, and I don't think he's rode a grassroots gold before. And he's, um, I think he might have just turned forty, so he's doing really well. Yeah, yeah. I, I did catch up with him. I'll hear him over talk, um, hear a conversation with him, chatting about how he was pretty proud that he finished the gold and all that. Yeah, thirteenth position. James finishing. So that's mid pack. So that's really good. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, you know, like... Have we got Sam Rogers? Sam Rogers, he's moved from Sherco to, I think it's pronounced Raju. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he, uh, he finished in fourth position. Uh, I, I reckon Sam's got more in him than that. Sam's probably a little bit disappointed in himself with a 12. I, I reckon he, he could go a little bit further up the, the ladder there. Well, yeah, look, you, you, you're probably right. Um, he's only just picked those bikes up, so he's probably mm. not filled with the bikes properly yet. Um, maybe there was some, you know, a bit of lack of time to set them up properly. But, yeah, look, just I think lack of ride time on the bike is definitely going to hinder his performance there. Yeah, there's definitely more to come with those guys. For sure, for sure. Um, Dudley Duffy, now Dudley, he's up in Cairns as well. He, uh, he generally flies down. Um, with Jason Dwyer and Tom Howe. Um, where did Dudley go? Dudley was in 11th position. And I think I skimmed over Callum. Callum Kalinski from uh, he's down near the ACT in 10th. Who else is stand out there? Sam Priest in 15th. Frank Fee. Frank Fee has also moved up from silver to gold for this year. Um, Hudson Act. Hudson Act. He had some mechanical issues. Hudson. Up there. Hudson, I actually watched Hudson go through boulders, and out of the group of bikes I watched go through there, he was by far the, the smoothest and the fastest, but he was well, well behind the the group. So mm. the fi- I actually thought he might have been on a second lap at that stage by the speed he carried through there. But to find out later that he had a, a bike malfunction, and I think you said he was seen several times with his carburetor off the bike, but it actually yeah. sp- speaking to him after race, he believed that I might have actually been the – the CDI or the ECU in it, I think we'll go CDI being that it was a carbon bike, but um, he believes that he might have overheated it and it's um, got a short in it or or not completing a circuit. So he was only getting the bottom half of the rev range yeah, and right. basically where the bike should sort of open up and go into its power band, it would, um, I don't know, be like a rev limiter. So to find out that he actually finished the lap with a bike that would not go into power band is is pretty impressive because after that point, he yeah, started a lot of hill climbs where he'd probably want to do it on the pipe and have the bike revving hard. So um, frustrating for the guy. He's come a long way to do that race, and I believe Hudson's another one of those guys that are going to move up into the top five in the next couple of years. So yeah, he, he'll he's he's pretty consistent in his prologues, but he he seems to always have the bad run of luck out there in the race. Yeah, look, seems to be mechanical issues. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick on him here. He needs to um, prepare his bike better for races. Um, I didn't want, 
I didn't want to say it out loud, but no, no, that's all right. I mean, he, look, he went he went to Mount Morgan before, and his brake pedal seized because you know the the, the you know the bearing in there just sort of no, yeah, yeah locked, locked up and dry. Yeah, you know he does yeah, ride on the he does ride down there on the beach a lot. There's a, probably a lot of salt in the area where he rides. I do know he has a practice bike to use, but. Um, I suppose if he's out there riding his race bike in those conditions, yeah, he might have to do a little bit more in the pull down and rebuild area to make sure that those um, malfunctions aren't coming. Um, because yeah, I'd, I'd really like to see Hutchin at a race, good weather, no malfunctions, head down ass up the whole way around. Mate, he, he's a type of kid. Uh, he, either. Prepare your bike, Brad Hudson. Um, we're going to get a clip over the ear from the old man. Mm-hmm. Or, or if there's a sponsor out there who's prepared to back Hudson, um, I'd, I'd vouch for him. That that kid can ride. He can he can ride proper. Um, what mm-hmm. he needs is a practice bike, and he needs a race bike which is set up for him, um, ready to race on the day. Now, if he has a bike that's set up for him and ready to race on the day, um, I think he would easily make top six or seven consistently. Mm, I'm not sure he would knock you out of there, but he'd get up there with him. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we've got the the top, oh, I don't know, yeah, probably the top six guys in Australia if Tim comes back. You know, that that's they're a pretty strong pack. It's going to be hard to, to move him around and knock a guy out of there. But a guy like Hudson will get in there and, and ride with him. Yeah, I think with the right support, he'd be up there for sure. Mm. Um, next on the list is Mark Atherton. I can't really comment on Mark, but I think this is Mark's first time in a grassroots event. He came out from WA with Neil Price. Um, so I can't make any comments on Mark and how he rode. I uh, don't know his history. Tom Howe, he was back in 20th. Now, I've got some video of Tom. Um, Ryan, my son, was out in the track. He got some video of Tom, and Tom pulled up and said, oh, I'd love a beer. Um, so <laughs> what's going on with Tommy? But look, still a solid performance. Um, he, he still got punched out a lap in four hours, forty-two. So well done to Tommy and Matthew Broderick in twenty-one. He came in 20, 21st position. So I've ridden with Matt. I've ridden with Matt before, and and I, I dare say he wouldn't be shy to say that he's a trials gun. That's that's his background. He, he's mm. been in that scene for quite a long time, and I'd say he needs a really trials or orientated track to exceed. Um, you know, the length of, of our tracks, of, of that track, had a bit of, you know, section in there where the speed probably has limited, you know, put his time back a bit. So, yeah, Matt, Matt can do the hard stuff, but he, he, he'll admit he's not the quickest guy on the sections in between. So he'll make it up. He'll get there. Oh, no, no doubt, mate. And like you say, he's, he's, he's a proper skilled trials rider. And um, we said it well before, have, well, a couple of times before, this event is one of those events that slowly grinds you down. Uh, it's it's not a Kosciuszko-type property. It wears away at you very, very slowly. And Matt is a big unit, and I don't mean he's a big fat unit. Matt's big and strong. He's a, you know, a well-built bloke, um, and he's, he's designed for that kind of real hard technical stuff. So, yeah, I guess this, if any event throughout the whole of the series doesn't – it's probably the one that doesn't suit Matt the best, to be honest, and that probably reflects in his position there. And no, mm. I mean, he did a full lap, so not taking anything away from him there. Yeah, and I'm so, I'm sure he's proud that he completed a full lap, lap in with those guys on that terrain. Yeah, that's no small achievement. And you know what? The other thing is too, only three DNFs. 
So without seeing the start list, I assume that all those guys did get out on the start. But only three is a pretty good average. Right? It is. It's, it is. It's really good. Um, yeah, Robert Burns and Conrad. Conrad had a mechanical issue. He actually flogged the um, flogged his rear hub out. It's destroyed. Oh, actually, I was there when that happened. Actually, now that you reminded me that, so he was quite strong. Conrad, Conrad was doing well. He was pretty strong. We're in boulders. He's looked at the the, you know, the cliff that you got to hit in the middle to get up, and he's made a decision not to do that. To, you know, save himself and go around in the rock garden beside it. And a couple of guys got in there with him, and they sort of got past him. And I was looking back at him, and I could see him stuffing around with his bike. And I went down there to have a look to see what he was doing. And at one stage, he had a rock about the size of your head, and he's thrown it at his back wheel. He's in there smashed. What's going on here? Yeah, he unfortunately had got his rear sprocket on a rock and bent it good, like right back into his spokes. Yeah. So I'm like, mate, that, that's it. Like, you know, your race is over. There's no way you're fixing that. Um, there's a, you know, go back to the fuel depot. That's probably your best way, easiest way to get picked up, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, it's a struggle, but that's the way life is. And I sort of went on to watch the guys ahead of him, what they were doing. And then you know, I heard his bike start up and he started riding towards me. So he had bent the sprocket enough to get the chain on. Chain was just running on the outside of the bent teeth. And I went, oh, well, I can't see this working. And he still got through that section. He got up through the, the rocky section above boulders and got out of there. But then we heard later that that had broken the hub what do you say the bearings went in the hub because of the way the chain was pulling on it the bearings broke and went through the hub and destroyed the hub so even though we sent a repair crew out there to put a new sprocket on there his hub was unrepairable is yeah. from what i believe totally flogged out yeah, yeah. unfortunate spanking new guy like bike was yeah bring you bring you beta 300 yeah. Mm. So, uh, unfortunate way to go down. He he was still strong. He was fit. He was he wasn't you know wavering from you know exhaustion or anything like that. He just was spewing. I suppose I'd been losing my shit if my bike had broke on something like that too. But um, yeah. well, Com- Comrade's looking really fit. He's he's looking the fittest I've seen him for years. Um. So and he has been uh, doing a fair bit of training. So it's not a lack of talent or fitness there. It's just a, a mechanical, and that's racing. Adam Poole. Now, Adam Poole is a DNF. Now, Adam's a, a really skilled, experienced rider. I haven't spoken with Adam, so I can only assume Adam had some sort of possibly an injury or a, uh, a mechanical failure because that truck wouldn't stop Adam from going around. So, um, look, maybe he did complete one lap, but didn't complete it in the, in the time allocated. So, mm, well, it could have been a timeout, yeah. Yeah, maybe. I'll contact him and find out what was going on there because I know, I know for a fact he's got the ability to get around that truck in time. Uh, it, there was... There was one story I wanted to tell you when I was sort of going on with Waffle. I was on the finish line and, you know, we're counting down the clock to finish and a bike crossed the finish line and I was watching my watch as he called it out and I thought he's missed it and Denise called out over the radio and said, no, we've still got three minutes to go. So he's crossed the line with six hours, 59 minutes and four seconds. <laughs> Blair Willoughby in silver. He must be the most ecstatic rider out there to know that he was a finisher with a time so close to the deadline. I, I remember watching him come across. I remember seeing him go down in the creek bed, and I'm thinking, mate, you've got to hurry up. <laughs> You'd be most upset. Because mm, there's a few guys that didn't, 
he was the guy that on the last year made that YouTube video where he got down to the bottom of the first hard silver section and and um, he said like he, it was just beyond him. He he wrecked himself in the first uh, couple of k's. He's just come from normal enduro. Um, yeah, I couldn't yeah. believe how hard it was. So obviously he's he's done a bit of work in the meantime because he's actually finished a lap of silver this time. Yeah, well, really? yeah, a finish is a finish, even if it's only got fifty six seconds to go. That's yeah, yeah, that's it. The 10-odd guys behind him, I'd say a few of them were finishers, but just timed out. So it must be a bit, I don't know, it, it probably is a bit draining when they know that you've put all that effort in, but not to actually get a finished result. Yeah, but it gives them a goal to work for next time, doesn't it? Well, definitely, because, you know, we sort of want to keep a bit of familiarity in our tracks. We don't want to completely change them in, you know, from one event to the other so the guys can go out there and go, well, I didn't finish this last year, or I got over the line in five hours. I want to do better. Um, you know, th- th- there'll be a different, um, you know, setup of, of obstacles on the track, but at least it'll be similar and they can improve themselves. And I think we, we have, if we were to sit down and look at last year's times and that, I think we'd probably see that come across the board in, in quite a few guys out there. Let's look at the Junior A results now. For those who aren't familiar with it, Junior A. Um, they're juniors who are under 16 years of age but actually ride the senior bronze track. Um, so we don't want to hold people back, so we let them get in, let the juniors get in amongst it, those who have the capability and experience. Now, in first position was Finn Gunn. Now, Finn's uh, lap one was two hours and 26 minutes. So how does that compare? In bronze, you keep that page open, I'll open the other one. Two hours and twenty six would have put him about fifth or sixth. Yeah, wow. On the fir- so on the first lap, yeah. Mm-hmm. Second lap, two hours seventeen. So what was his final time? Uh, four hours forty three. Forty three would have put him back to probably eighth or ninth. So we've got a junior A class who would have finished eighth or ninth in um, out of all bronze. Mm, that's impressive and. We know there's a rider missing out of that class and we, we would have got big results out of him. So to see these little kids coming up and giving the grown men a bit of a hassle, um, that's exciting. I love it. Yep. And the, look, the rider you're referring to there is, is Kogan Lock and Kogan is coming to Goldfield Extreme. So it'll be good to have him back in the fold. Don't they come down from um, – sorry, I shouldn't say come down. They are based in Victoria. It's, uh, it's a long trip for them to get up Mount Morgan and uh, for the entire family. So. Yeah. Sorry. I reckon if you get on sports bet and put Kogan down for the winning bronze race in junior A, I think your money's probably going to be safe. Yeah, I think so, mate. This is uh, the kids are free. Uh, absolutely unbelievable. Credit to him. Second place, Justin Richards. Now, Justin had a, a elapsed time of five hours and five minutes. Where would that I've put him in bronze? Got him? Oh, just close that page. Five hours and five minutes. We'll get him. Um, oh, geez. 13th, 14th? Yeah, right. Okay, solid results for both junior A's then. Yeah, yeah, and there's no difference between that track in any way. So the, the, the little kids, yeah, and these guys are tiny compared to these grown men, um, don't get any specialties out there. They've got to ride the exact same track as all those grown men do. So, oh man, that'd be so impressive riding out with them. <laughs> if you could, keep up. <laughs> well, I got, I got me, me ass handed to me by a kid in uh, junior B, if yeah. I don't know. Do we have the junior B times up? Yeah. I don't think we, 
No, we do. Give me a second. Maybe I haven't. Maybe I haven't loaded them. Hang on, so yeah, 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 I do. I do have Junior B times. Um, so Nate, first lap, a minute eight, and no, your second yeah. lap. Um, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, not swimming, are we? We're riding dirt bikes. His, his first lap, an hour eight, and his second lap, 55 minutes. Now, I suppose we're going to talk about it. There was a little bit of controversy about that. Nate actually rode a silver section. By mistake, he overshot a, a corner and he went onto a silver track and he still pulled the win out. So that's that's huge, impressive. There's a big future for that kid. Yeah, that's Nate Feely. So did Reese Finlay. Um, Reese also rode the same sector, which, which added you know length to the track. And Reese actually had a bit of a, um, I don't know, we call it, we'll call it a bit of a brain fart. He had the muffler come off his bike, and rather than just like ditching it out there and going back later and picking it up, he rode all the way back to the pits, gave the muffler to his dad, and then even instead of going back to the where he left the track at, he got back on the track at the start, so he had to re-ride what he had just rode. So yeah. to see that his time was that um, competitive, knowing that he'd done that, he could have been much higher. And actually, I'll tell you a section of a part of this race. I actually watched it with my own eyes. So sweeping with the juniors, I got in behind Nate and Reese, and Nate was in first place. And you come out of the very last creek, so you're probably about two k's from the finish line. And you come out of the creek, and there's a bit of a rock step up on it, about three foot tall, and it got really badly rutted out in the race. Young Nate, he's gone to roost up it, bunny hop up it, and he couldn't. He bottomed out, and he got smashed, and he fell off the bike. And Reese just rode up around him and got past him and took off. So Reese was giving it to him. He, he wasn't. Um, he wasn't getting it. Nate wasn't getting it for free. Reese was giving it to him. So if he didn't have that bike issue, I think those two guys would have would have went down to the line. They would have actually dragged Reese to the finish. Yeah. So that's Nate Feely in first and Reese Finlay in third. Yeah. yeah and sandwich in between. And we've got Nate Schofield, local rider. He um. What is it? What is massive, it? Massive effort. Yeah. Massive effort on an 85. Yeah, exactly right. So. Smaller bike, smaller wheels, um, makes the track twice as hard. Smaller kid too. Oh, they're all about the similar size and that, but I think Nate Schofield was a little bit younger. He might have been a little bit smaller than him. But um, did you just know that those little kids are out there just started? I keep going on about it, but I get so impressed by watching these kids go for it. And we've got and then, um, Lockie Nugent in fourth, and only just out too. Like Lockie well, Nugent, he, he could have he, he could have easily went out for a second lap. I wonder yeah, what maybe. I went on. I wonder what I went on there for not to go out for a second lap with such a really competitive first lap time. A minute eight, an hour eight on his first lap. Uh, who knows? Bike issues. Maybe, maybe he's nursing an injury or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, yeah. and yes. Yeah. Yasmin's now stepped up to a big bike. There's, if anybody remembers, she rode the last couple of seasons on a trials bike that was modified with a seat. And she's, you know, she's a little girl and she's now stepped up to ride a full size finger beater. Maybe yeah, beater 200. 200. Yeah. Yeah. So she was pretty excited to ride. This was her first race on it. Um, she's done really well. There's, there's a big future for that girl. She's got a very strong family around her and I can't see her backing off. But, um, I did talk to her dad there for a while, and apparently she's not like super. Um, what do you say? Um, passionate about the sport. She, yeah, she's probably 
needs to get that passion back in her life if she wants to get that speed there. So um, I don't know, maybe maybe she might fade out from it, but I hope she really stays with it and, and gives it hell and hands it to these boys out there. See how she goes, mate. See how she yeah. goes. And then Harrison Barton in six. He got an hour 52 and Ryder, uh, Ryder Darburn in two hours 28. Uh, oh, Michael, Black, Michael Black, he comes to all the events, but Michael caught the big rock in his arm at Prologue um, uh, Roost, actually, and uh, really knocked the wind out of his sails. He actually ended up going to the hospital to have an X-ray to see if his arm was broken. Thankfully, it wasn't. Um, just got some bad bruising. And there was a couple of kids there at the back of the pack that were on little 80s and that, so it was good to see they get out there and go for it with the big bikes. Yeah, Dorothy Soiler and Kalen Wood. Yeah. Unbelievable. We sent our truck, junior truck up, you know, and for people who don't know, it was pretty much um, the start of the bronze track and the finish of the bronze track with a small K and a half link in between. So, well, all you took out of the junior track was Tougher Hill. So, if you're a bronze rider and you remember doing that Tougher Hill section, so a pretty gnarly climb and a pretty gnarly downhill, and then you just got back on the junior's track. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, and then all over the eastern side of the property as well. So, um, it, it was what is done on the western side of the property, and one hill climb taken out of it. So it was it was a pretty full on track. There was nothing easy about it. How long was the How long was the junior track, Craig? It was over what? seventeen k's, and it had a really hard creek section at the, at the um, probably three k's from the end. That me and Scotty rode it on the Friday or whatever, and we were pretty. Concerned about it, we actually bunted a um a new line off to the the right hand side because we thought it'd be too hard. But I, I don't even think they paid much attention to it. They just rode wherever they could and, and I took the, the and through it. I took the Honda in there. Yeah, you know, the Honda doesn't have a lot of ground clearance. It was bottoming out on everything, so I'm just assuming that all the little eighty fives would be bottoming out on everything as well. So that's why we made that decision. I think the guys on the bigger bikes wouldn't have cared if we bunted it or not. They would have rode up for that career. Obviously, I swept on the on the Sunday, and the juniors actually rode a harder line than the seniors did on the Sunday. So the, the seniors made a new line right up on the bank. So we yeah. did a line to the right of the creek, which was still tough. It was actually that tough where there was two really big drops, and me and Scotty filled in the holes um, of these drops so they could roll without bottoming out on the on the bikes yeah. and the. The, the seniors um, track evolution, don't get me wrong, it was only you know three or four metres away from the arrows, but it was off the hard line and up the bank. So the juniors did a harder track in that section than the seniors. I did notice that when I came through. I, I'd done a ride around. I was like, hang on, this is different. Somebody, yeah. obviously, people have, as they're going through, have just spotted a, a, a more direct route, sort of cut it in, and it just became the track. And yeah, I thought, that's a lot easier than what we cut in for the kids. Yeah. I did see some footage today. I was looking at some GoPro footage of the kids right in that creek bed. Um, I was kind of skipping through it. I saw them in the creek bed and I thought, um, have they gone on the wrong track here? But I went back in there. Sure enough, it was a juniors track. So credit to them for getting through that. It was pretty nasty. I don't know what more we can do, you know. It's just we, we can't. I feel like you, you step it up eventually and it's going to become – a bronze track or even a silver track. I mean, how, how do we stop these kids from coming back? I mean, I did it as a pre-run before they went out to check everything was good. And, um, you know, it was 55 minutes and 
it's just um, they smash me, you know, it's just unbelievable. I know, I know I'm the fastest guy out there, but you think, like, you know, I'm not going to get stuck on anything. I roll over things that surely they're going to bottom out on, but now they still smash my time. Uh, <laughs> you just, I just bob them. It's, uh, look, what do, yeah, what do we do? Like, I don't know. Um, off the back of that result there, knowing that that track is so much longer than the track that I've made it, um, Waddle Flat, I'm going back to make the Waddle Flat track longer. Um, yeah, I... I I think I was going to cut their track at about 8Ks. And no, I'm just going to double it now. I, I got the land, I got the layout to do it. I'm just going to make it longer for them. They seem to love it. They thrive off it. None of them are coming over the line complaining. They're all buzzing. They're all tired. They're all worn out. But not one of them ever goes, no, I'm never doing that again. They're, they all seem to be excited to do it again. So Before we go back to the results, because I want to get on to the ladies as well. Um, is it, thanks, Bernsey. Yeah, you've just created a whole lot of work for us because seriously, the Mount Morgan property, the Mount Morgan track that you guys put in was seriously epic. Uh, it's it's it was. You can't thank them enough, can you? You you, you want to thank those guys that many times so that they actually get how grateful we are, and you feel a bit I don't know like a dick saying it over and over, but just the effort that those guys put in was a massive. Now look, you're right, Scotty, and and seriously, it's you're right. I, I feel like a bit of a dick because I keep saying, yeah, you know, thanks to them, but I can't thank them enough for what they've done. About a month or so ago, we had a crew of blokes up at Mount Morgan cutting tracks. We had a crew of blokes up at Waddle Flats cutting tracks, and there's another crew of blokes out at Hilston cutting tracks. And I'm sitting home on the bloody computer, and I'm like, man, I've got to be out there helping. Um, but it's just not possible. It takes such a huge amount of people to make this happen. And then um, Bernie goes and does this on us and Craig Harney and just steps it up um, to, I'd say, in, easily international level. And we've had nothing but positive feedback. And now we've got to get on to um, Waddle Flat and we're like, shit, we really need to get cracking on this and uh, and, and lift yeah, it up again. Just, just keep improving and improving and improving. So There was a section yeah. I put in the Waddle Flat track and then you went and wrote it and said, no, nah, no, nah, maybe. And it's only a little tiny section. It's just like five metres of a, um, like a rock garden. It's like a set of stairs. And you were like, no, nah, I think you should take that out. No, nah, it's going straight back in. Yeah. I'm, I'm putting it straight back in. It's it's, it's like we, we ride these tracks and we're like, oh, we're so concerned that it'll bottleneck and people get stuck and all this. And then we put them in these pretty crazy trails and they just do it. So I think. We've worked out the trick to stop the bottlenecks, and we, we've I'm not going to say that it'll never happen because it's the nature of the sport. But we can sort of um, minimise them. So yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the feedback and the praise we've got from this track is just like I didn't. I, I thought it was a sick track, but I didn't think that you know that people messaging me and you guys from all over and you know i'm screenshotting these messages and we all got group chats going on obviously for each track that we cut in and yeah. i'm just posting all these messages up on these group chats so that you know just forward it on to the people who are cutting them and they just the comments are just insane and, and and the best thing about sweeping that track on on sunday was you know we made it we made a track i bunted a line 20 meters wide or whatever and then i come back and i just see the carnage that was on this hill fun carnage and i just look at all them wheel rats on the floor and think like 250 people have just enjoyed this thing that we made you know and i didn't even see any of it but i can see the state on the ground and think like 
people came through there and loved it. And that's what all the track headers do. You know, they just want to make this section enjoyable. And to be, it's hard to do, right? So it's got to be that fine line between pleasure and pain. Someone should write a song about that. And But it, we always got to try and cross it back and forth. And it's difficult to make for each different class. But yeah, like from the, from the feedback, we nailed it. It's addictive, isn't it? They say self-praise is no praise, but I tell you, it was a good track. No, you, a, you did not nail it spot on. There's a story I was going to tell you, but I can't remember the name of the track, and it's left me head for some reason. Something, pain or something, you drop down into a creek and ride up, which was the whole track. So, Jimmy's Terror. Jimmy's Terror, that's it. Yes, exactly that. So I hung around there for about 20 minutes just watching the chaos that was going on there. And what it was is there was multiple lines when you were up the top looking down. So the riders were sort of like, well, there's bikes over there, but I can see a line there. So that line, they must – and then – so you got all – you'd have 10 guys on 10 different lines all trying to get to the same spot. But some guys were in water. Some guys were in nice tacky dirt. But had you – know, and it was all this chaos of people trying to get through there. The guy would pick a bad line. Five guys would go past him. I just hung out in there for a couple of minutes ago, and this is the nature of the sport. You know, you, you can't just ride a trail and go whatever. Sometimes you actually got to have a strategic look and work out which trail is the best line to take and make up a move on another rider that, that you know, has, has made a poor track decision and you can make the best of that moment. So I was just in, hanging out in there for quite a while. I think I got a bit of footage of it too, and it was good. It was really enjoyable just watching the guys pick lines and someone get stuck and blow up because he just lost three places to another guy. Oh, it was good. awesome fun. That it. You're just going to leave me hanging on the back of that. No, no. <laughs> that was awesome, guys. Thanks for that. That's the only time we've never oh, never um, spoken on the top of each other. Yeah, I thought, here we go. I'll, I'll, I'll be talking to myself because I've gone blank again. <laughs> I've deliberately let that go. No, no, you did well. I was just, I was in awe. In all. I don't know how it's going to go for next year. We got to, you know, maintain that perfect level of um, difficulty for all classes. Change the track by maybe twenty five percent, I guess, to keep it fresh. Yeah. You know what would have freshened that track up if we race it this weekend? Yeah, I know. Have you seen the weather band that's coming over? Raining all weekend, so it's like a cyc- looks like a cyclone coming over the top on the satellite. How exciting yeah, would that so- be? <laughs> It'd be different. We'd have to have changed the track a bit. But if the weather forecast was going to be rain, we would have um, we would have done some done some working out during the week and, and made some gates or whatever happened. We can after the race had finished, all the top maybe five or six gold riders were sort of standing together, and I walked over to him and said, "If that race, if this track was to be raining, like Kosciuszko." Should I leave it the same or should I change it? A couple were like, no, nah, just leave it. We could deal with it. A couple were oh, just take sections out. And I was like, well, the quickest core for us would be to put all you guys back to silver. And they're like, no, no, we still want to ride the same track. Just take out the crazy stuff. I'm like, but that, you don't understand how much work's involved to do that. So, you know, some of them were happy to, to leave it as it was and still ride in the rain. But I'm not, I'm not sure what would have happened to the – the next 15 riders in gold that couldn't ride it in the rain. So, I don't know. What 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 would have happened if we did ride that track in the rain? Yeah, I don't know. It it, it would be... I, 
as you know, Mount Morgan is based on rocks, right? Once the rocks become slippery, the track, some of the gold sections would be unrideable, and the silver sections would be just take the guys so long to do, they would probably, most of them wouldn't have completed a lap. So I guess, you know, we would have had contingency plans to maybe halve the amount of tough silver sections. As for gold, well, if that's the general consensus, then maybe we should just leave it for them guys. But I think it'd be too much, to be honest. Some of them rock slabs would become mm. seriously dangerous. But well, the, the overwhelming yeah, thing sorry. from all the gold riders um, was it was absolutely spot on. They said it was it was it was difficult, but you didn't have to get off your bike and push it anywhere. So if you had the skill to ride it. You could ride it. Um, it wasn't overbearing. Last year we had, I'm not issues, but we had a, a few spots where they actually had to get off and team up and help each other. One spot. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, I, I think it was just, I think it was spot on. Um, so I guess if it rained and you know, made a few areas where you had to get up and push, I don't know. I'd must know whether we, we'd have to change yeah, it all. Who would have had a plan B? The forecast was. You know, clean for a whole week, so yeah. we would have had a plan B set out. Well, yeah, well, look, me, me and Craig started talking about that from Wednesday. What do we do? You know, we look at the weather weeks out, but you never trust the weather. And from Wednesday, we could tell when we were looking at it, we're like, well, I don't think we need to stress about this one. Let's let roll the dice and let it go. So I think after Cozzy, we sort of pay a bit more attention to the weather now because we realize how quick it can change a track, but yeah. What happens? Well, let's, let's get back to the results. Um, we've got ladies bronze, and we had um, Kelly Beck take out first place. Now, last year we put an iron class in, which was non competitive. It was just for trying to encourage some people who don't want to actually race hard enduro to come out and. and well, it's a, it was off the back of a lot of people asking, saying, well, why don't you just do that? So we yeah. offered it, and we only had one person show up, which was Kelly. And the idea was every person that entered that would have been chaperoned with their own sweep rider so that they were never in a position of, you know, harming themselves, getting lost, or just being out of their debt. Well, we put Kelly with a sweep rider, and within 10 minutes, I had a call from the sweep rider, I've lost my rider, she's gone, I can't keep up with her. <laughs> so so she pretty much just got in with the group and rode with them and actually enjoyed it. So she's decided to step it up and entered bronze girls and took the took the silverware home. Yeah, yep. Got Sweet the Friday couldn't keep up. Entered the race and there she goes. First place. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't, and she seemed to be very impressed too, I'd say, from her um yeah, speech at the presentation and that she was probably well deserving of that and very excited that she got it. Yeah, yeah, and Kelly's also got a sister that races with us as well. But, um I think she, I think from memory, I don't have a results at the moment. I think she came in maybe fourth. Fourth. I'd say fourth if um, just sharing a surname there. So, yep. yeah. And you know what? Kelly could have actually done two laps. She came over the line with enough time to spare. Whereas if she was comp- um, consistent in her result, she would have easily got two laps in. What time did she, what, what time did she do a first lap in? Three hours and 33 minutes. Let's have a quick look. Where that would have got her in the in the bronze field, three hours thirty three for a first lap, sixtieth in with the men. Yeah, right. And That's pretty good. 
It was 96 or something in bronze. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, she didn't have enough time because she would have done that second lap in three hours because she would have been um, like... She would, know, Yeah, she started right at the back. She was one of the very last the bikes to go. I mean, it would have been 25 minutes from, from the 8 o'clock start. So, she, um, yeah, she would have enough time. Well, that's we keep forgetting that. She, so she's done three hours and 33 minutes. Probably take 15 minutes off just to be um, conservative. So that yeah. would have, yeah, that, that's that's a good lap time. It is a good lap time, isn't it? Um, and right. the, um, so you, have you got the girls, the, the ladies' bronze up in front of you, Scotty? Yep, yep. Right. And then you get, when we get into second place, and we've got Nina Chadwick. Now, Nina is the youngest sister of Ruben, so a bit of heritage there. Mm, I actually got to follow Nina for about, I know, 15, 20 minutes on the second half of her lap. And she's tiny. There's nothing of her. And she just bounced around, let the bike go. I'd pull over, video something, do something, get back on, catch up to her again later. And, um, yeah, she she just held a good pace, just cruised around, made it look easy, enjoyed herself, watched her bounce around and jump and do whatever she done. And I pulled over for her a bit for whatever. and up to again and yeah it was really enjoyable just watching her ride she she went really well she's she's definitely a good rider second place in bronze and then we go down to Gemma Rankin in third have you got a times up there Scotty 433 so hey, Kelly Beck done a 333 yep. uh, Gemma Gemma's 433 um, for third nice and 416 for Nina as well so okay. Yeah, they're, they're, they're spread. There's good gaps between them. 15, 45 minutes between first and second and 15 between second and third. But as these girls start doing this more, they're going to close up. They'll start riding together, you know, be battling. They'll, they'll see each other on the track. Yeah, yeah Gemma's come a long way. She, um, like I was riding with her last year in Mount Perry and she was pretty much getting chaperoned by Blake, her boyfriend there around that track. And now she's, Winning trophies in um, bronze class on the biggest track we've ever done. So yeah, she's come a long way in twelve months. And look, you, you go down the list. There's a few. I don't know a lot of them girls because they are new. Probably new when I say that. They're first time ever's to to race. Um, Amy, she's down there. She's raced regularly. She got in with thirty five, thirty six minutes to spare last year. She came across the line with like five, you know, five or something minutes to spare. So that's a good way of seeing the progression there. Um, yeah, it's, it, uh, Shelley, she's crossed the line with six forty-eight, so she'd be stoked with that. Um, you know, twelve minutes to spare to come across the line, and um, yeah, Cole DNS at the bottom. So that they're awesome results for those girls. I'm just going. I'm just pulling those results up at the moment because I just want to have a look at them. So yeah, so we've got Shelley Calendar. Um, she's in a beta 200, and so is Sally Higgs. And as we mentioned before, Sally Higgs, that was her first race. I think Shelly's raced with us before. That's, yeah, that's really, um, what have we got there? Oh, Angela, yeah, she DNF'd, unfortunately. She had a, a mechanical issue we spoke about before. On to Ladies Silver. Let's pull up their results. Well, no surprise he won that. Yeah, that's look, cool. Ebony Nelson, um, Oh, I don't know. Why isn't she knighted yet? Um, she's. I'm just pulling up. I'm actually just grabbing on the face, going on the Facebook at the moment. Look, you know what? Ebony mm. must be 
put it out there, the strongest dirt bike rider in Australia at the moment. Not just in girls. Because there's nobody else dominating every single category they enter. Well, I've just gone on to Ebony's Facebook page because I did read this before I went up to Queensland. Now, June 24, so this is just a couple of days ago, round five of the Queensland Off-Road Series, Gundawindi, she won seven of seven sprints and took out first place for the day. The trek was very hard packed and slippery, and we got the rides at MX also. Um, all things out. Uh, sorry, all things. I'm very out of practice on. Uh, anyway, so look, she's absolutely smart. Every time you look at Ebony, she's pulling results. She's pulling top so, threes, if not first place. Hard pack track jumps, yep. Raylan Berms wins it. Yep. Shows up to Hard Enduro, just smashes everybody. Like, it. There's nobody else in in males, females doing that. And there's no men out there that are showing up to the ARC, the the you know the four day or anything like that, smashing it there, and then showing up here and smashing us. So no, nah, she she's the most confident dirt biker in Australia at the moment. 2022 Australian four day um, third step on the podium, 600 k's of riding, adding special test over four days, third place. Yeah. Smashed it. I absolutely killed it. Um, yeah, so... What was, it, what was their position in amongst the, the silver guys? The other screen? Yeah, yeah, I can tell you. 424. Um, I can't remember which page it was on. It's this way. Uh, 424, 424. Would have got her. Talk amongst yourselves. Um, 46. Oh, I guess who beat her? This guy's going to be bragging about this for years to come. Jet Harney got her by a minute. Really? Yeah. Right. yeah. Wow. Yeah, so she would have. She would have been in so the top fifty. Mid back, she finished her huh? in amongst the guys. Yeah, yeah. That's a big yeah, effort for, for for a small girl. That that's a good effort. Because you know the, the track is so technical that a lot of them guys. Including myself, you know, if you if you drop the bike or if you don't get it right, you can just push it over, manhandle it over. But when you're that small, um, you gotta have, you know, you gotta outweigh that lack of of muscle with skill, you know, to get over all this stuff first time. Otherwise, you know, you're not gonna be able to do it. So, yeah, it's pretty impressive. And well, not to mention, Jet, how how tall is Jet? He'd be six oh, foot seven. four. Eighteen six foot, foot three, four. I think he is. <laughs> six foot four. What are you doing? Putting bricks on him? Guy's over seven foot, mate. You reckon he's over yeah. seven foot? Oh, I don't know. He has to be. You ever stood next to him? Yeah, I have. But I'm guessing. Well, obviously you have. But <laughs> <laughs> I got a, I got an awesome story about Jet. But we have to wait till we cut the feed. I can't tell you. It's go there. It's a great story, <laughs> but but he's so tall, man. You, you feel intimidated to stand next to him. We're out cutting track together, and there's two black, black boys. There's a little short one. And there's one that's he like, says we got to wait, then he just goes straight in. No, no, this is a different story. There's, <laughs> there's a black boy that's, you know, it's 30 years old. It's tall. It's grown. And there's a little short one next to him. I said, looks at you. I said, that's me and you, mate. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh. pretty funny. He wears these tracksuit bottoms around the fire with all of us, and they're like they're full length tracksuit bottoms, but they're like st- the bottoms of them stop halfway up three, the shin. Three Just quarter cargoes. <laughs> they're like size fourteen waist or something. I don't know how long enough for him. 
Oh, he's a legend. He's one of the funniest guys I've ever ridden with. He, oh, like, yeah, mate, I know I take the piss out of you when I'm riding with you, but it's because I know you can take it and we just have a ball riding around together. Anyway, so let's go. So talking about people that are tall, Cheyenne Jones is the complete opposite. One of the smallest people you've ever seen on a dirt bike. She is a tawny young lady, strong as a ball, trains like hell. And she she's on a beta too now. I don't I think she's on a beta three hundred. Uh, uh, talking about betas, mate, how many betas are out in the events now? Mm, where they all the come from, eh? Yeah, they they are just coming out of the woodwork everywhere. Yeah, you know? good luck to beta. Yeah. That's good to see. Um, yeah, um, Shane Jones came second in Lady Silver. I have a story about Shine as well. So I'm down in um in the boulders getting the, the gold guys as they came through. And it's been a bit of a, a dead spot. There's nobody coming through. So I thought right next to that is a silver section. I'll just duck in there and I'll get some video of the next couple of silver riders that come through. It was a bit quiet, not much happened. So I thought I'd time to get back on my bike and leave. And then just as I've done that, turn the camera off, it's too late. Jamesy comes through. Now this exact section last year, I videoed her in there, just blown up. She got stuck. She's pig rooting a bike. There's, probably about 10, 15 people in there, and she's getting really frustrated. Um, today, uh, Sunday, she rode through that quick. I didn't get even a chance to turn the camera on. She just came through, out the other side, gone. So she's now got to go do a section of a couple hundred metres around the back of the boulders and then rejoin the track that I'm about to join on. So as she's done it, I just came in straight behind her. She looked back. She knew it was me. She just went full noise, and I tried to follow her through the next – I don't know, maybe four or five Ks I tried to stay with her. The only reason I stayed with her, because she dropped the bike twice. She didn't like just overshoot a corner and have the front end slip out. She was gone. There's no way I was staying with her. Yeah. So I rode with her for a couple more sections. She come to a, another silver gate. She had to split away. I was like, no, you can have that. I'll, I'll leave you on your own now. But I, it was a bore. It was a great time riding with her. She knew it was, it was me behind her, so she made sure she gave me help. Well, um, the first time I realised Cheyenne Jones was serious about racing was in two, early 2018. She stayed not far from where I live. She came up our way for a race. And um, I, she, she, anyway, she dropped by my house and was looking for a place to get a feed. And I said, look, you're best off going to the pub. You can have a feed and a couple of beers there if you like. And she looked at me like I was some sort of idiot and said, I'm an athlete. I don't eat and drink that shit. And I went, oops. <laughs> That's when I realized this chick is the real deal. She, she, yeah. she, she is the real deal. Um, and good on her for doing that. And she had she had injuries, like she had busted up hand or something. Just when you'd done the presentation, she couldn't shake hands. And I was like, oh, I just bend the bike. And she goes, nah, scaffolding. Yeah, no, she had a, she, she rode with a broken thumb. Yeah, smashed a hand scaffolding at work. So still manned up and gave it to the rest of the field. Yeah, I know a couple of blokes who get sunburned, they won't ride. Yeah. Yeah. I've um, kicked my toe on the coffee table before and stayed at home. Yeah. All right. So I think that pretty much wraps up Mount Morgan. I'd like to thank all the riders who turned up and thank all the sponsors who uh, keep supporting us. Bernsey, who are you on uh, Instagram and Facebook and YouTube? Hard and Duro Addict, people don't know. Hard and Duro Addict, mate. And thanks for your support for all your videos that you've been posting up. It's been bloody fantastic, mate, keeping everybody up to date. No worries, well, I love it. Well, and as you're about to wind us up and do the finish off here, the last podcast, you didn't finish it. You just cut it. So you better nail this one perfect. Well, if you managed to listen to 
all of the podcast all the way through to the end, I'd like to thank you very much for putting up with both Scotty, Craig Burnsy Roberts, and myself, Greg Peterson. Thanks for listening. Oh, that was pretty good. That was smooth. Well done. It took some concentration. It did. It was pretty slow, but it was good. Oh, <laughs> you might, might just put one and a half speed on that one, okay? It's got, <laughs> yeah. it's got to be slow. I'm tired. I need sleep. All right, boys. See All right, I'll get out. See you, bye. Catch yeah. up. Yeah.